April 12th, 2020. I'm Philippe Alpha. I'm Patrick Mifflin. I'm Brandon Perkins. And I'm Chris Ologi. And we're going to do our best to uh, not spend the entire show talking about human malware. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, of course, you know, you can't really avoid it because it's still affecting um, everything. But, uh, you know, we're going to try to minimize that since uh, at this point it's starting to become the norm, which is Mm -hmm. um, terrifying in its own right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But we'll get to all of that. And uh, before we do, we'll talk about what we've been playing this week. And for me, a lot of the same. Uh, PC building simulator, so I'm not going to spend any time there because I've been playing it for months now. <laughs> uh, got back into Tetris Effect. Um, as uh, as it turns out, if you're self isolating, uh, Tetris Effect is a really chill game to be playing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Especially you know, start up the relax playlists or uh, you know, play the quick, uh, you know, just quick play and set your line limit and speed to whatever you want and just you know, enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a good little thing to be playing. So. Yeah, it does help take the mind off, uh, you know, what's going on, and uh, um, actually focuses the brain on uh, positive areas, which, uh, let's face it, we all kind of need right now. So, yeah, so that's been fun. Uh, and uh, also started playing Pure Pool. Uh, yes. I had it on Xbox One, and then, uh, and then I realized that I sold my Xbox One and I can't play it anymore. <laughs> so that's a problem. Uh, but it was on sale this week on PC for like four bucks, so uh, I picked it up, and it's it's pure pool. It's problem solved. Yeah, um, it's a good version of it. Um, yeah, it runs well. Uh, it looks really good. It has that um, smooth jazz porn music soundtrack, which of course <laughs> is a must. Uh, it's also perfect for chilling. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, well, okay, so it's. Like the other PC pool game that I have is Pool Nation, and I didn't really care too much for that because it was it had a whole lot of gimmicks to it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'd much prefer this, which is just well, uh, basically as close to side pocket as you could pretty much get. So yeah, yeah, I'm pretty stoked about that. Uh, There's a series I wouldn't mind seeing come back. Yeah, yeah. Some it's a shame Data East is like non-existent anymore. Mm. I'm sure somebody has that IP squirreled away somewhere, or if not, somebody should get on that, because we could use a revival of that. Uh, Hell, give it to Vufu. They'll do do a really good job with it. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Apart from that, well, I got my PS4 up and running again. Uh, Switched out the failing uh, one terabyte hybrid drive. I've had this drive, like I like I mentioned, since 2012 or something. It's it's migrated its way from my PS3 to uh, PS4 to PS4 Pro. So you know it's 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 done its uh, tour tours of duty for sure. Uh, and I put in a uh, Samsung uh, 860 QVO drive. Uh, the process for that was um, it was actually harder to get the little plastic thing off of the PS4 Pro than it was to actually do anything else. Sony really needs to figure out a better way of, you know, doing that because, uh, yeah, you re- it really does feel like you're going to break that thing off. And, yeah, it's annoying. Uh, but I didn't, and it works. Uh, one thing I'll notice, uh, I'll say for, uh, as far as putting an SSD in a PS4 Pro, 
Um, the speed benefit is there, um, but not as much as you would think it should be. Uh, one benefit you get for sure is that if you're familiar with the PS4 or any PS4 Pro with uh, just a regular hard drive in it, um, if you're navigating the UI every t- every so often, you'll just get these hiccups, and they're they're like so short that you actually wonder if you if you even saw it at all. I'm sure pretty much everybody here mm-hmm. has like experienced that. Hmm. Yeah. 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 You know, it's like on a bit that happens. Um, but uh, with an SSD, that's not even a thing anymore. Uh, UI is really, really smooth, really snappy. Uh, game load times. I was playing, you know, Mortal Kombat 11 earlier, uh, and found that uh, yeah, the load time to get into matches is actually much shorter. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's not as uh, pronounced as you would think it is. Uh, some games apparently it benefits more than others. Um, for instance, I've read that Final Fantasy 14. Uh, actually cuts the load time in half. I believe it. Yeah. So yeah, for some, depending on what game you play, you might you might see a bigger benefit. Um, but given how you know cheap SSD prices are getting at this point, if you're going to replace the drive in your PS4, you might as well put an SSD in it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of been it for me. How about you, Pat? Well, I'm back on NHL 20 because I'd been away from uh, from creating content for a little while just with everything else going on. So I've got one more video cut that I need to upload, and I plan on producing a bunch more here in fairly short order. I'm still on Rocksmith, but I took some time away from that as well because I didn't have a strap for my guitar, and I do now. So Yeah. Yeah, that's more essential than I was expecting it to be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you do need it, yeah. Yeah, because if you're trying to play it without a strap... Um, Best case scenario is you're going to end up getting a really sharp pain in your lower back after yeah. a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's good. Yeah, unless and of course then, you go with the Jeff Healy technique. Yeah, just put the yeah. just put the base on your lap. Uh, well, no, that's how I tried to, but yeah, it, that, that, yeah, that didn't work. go too well. Yeah, I don't know how he managed uh, to do that, honestly. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think if you're already a good bass player, then you can probably get away with it. Yeah. But if you're forming your muscle memory and it's not there yet, then, yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, I think for him it was just a case of uh, you know, necessity. He was blind and didn't know any better yeah. on how to actually play the thing, and that's how he learned. So. That's true. Yeah. And, um, and then I also picked up much of the Doom series on the current sale going on over on the PS4. Hmm. And it amazes me how much the original Doom overcomes, not just to still hold up, but to still actually be a great game in earnest. And Yeah, it fits controllers pretty well for what you might expect out of it. Yeah. Um, It's almost like first-person shooter controllers on console or first-person shooter controls on consoles had to grow into Doom, but once they did, oh my god. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I picked up Doom 1, 2, uh, Doom 64, and then uh, Doom 2016, because I only had that on the Xbox One before, so... and And that was in disc form. Okay. So... Yeah, um, 
that's been my week. So, uh, well, as you can probably guess, I unfortunately could not get Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh, my local places were all sold out. Uh, but uh, so I basically ended up sp- playing uh, XCOM two and Valkyria Chronicles. Uh, Valkyria Chronicles still as fun as I remember it, and still as difficult. Um, the game is just an absolute joy to play, even though it will sometimes absolutely frustrate you to no end. And XCOM two is bullshit. <laughs> uh, it is complete and total obtuse bullshit. Hmm. Um, I'll just repeat what I said on Let's Weekend. Um, Why is it that if my character, you know, the character I need to move to a certain area, maybe he just needs to move a few feet ahead of him, maybe he can just go through the door over the counter, but no, the game decides that if he's going to go to this area, he has to go out of the building, jump through the window, climb up the drain uh, pipe, and then walk over the roof and then jump down and then jump through another window back into the building that I previously had just jumped out of and then go into this spot. Yeah. It's especially frustrating when you're looking at it and you see like, there's a door right there. Yeah. (laughs) And keep in mind, uh, most of the enemies at this point are also on overwatch, which means they will automatically shoot you the moment they see you. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. This game is bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, that's basically what I played this week. Uh, Might, I'm not sure yet, but I might end up going uh, on PS Store and downloading the uh, Red Red Dead Redemption 2 Complete Edition. They've uh, got it on sale uh, on uh, PlayStation Store for the month of April for about $40. Oh, good price. Yeah. I might do that. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so that's what I've been playing. So, Chris, what about you? Uh, yeah, so I've been playing more of Final Fantasy VII Remake. I uh, hate you. I hope you die. <laughs> did a stream on that last night, basically continuing from where the demo left off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, basically, you know, the reactor has exploded, uh, and you're dealing with the aftermath as you try and get out and back to... Uh, the Sector 7 slums. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the early parts of that is a lot of walk-and-talk sequences as you uh, sort of... They kind of hammered into like the notion of you guys being the good guys is definitely a question as people in the uh, Sector 8s, uh, I guess on top of the plate, mm-hmm. uh, are dealing with the fact that like their homes and such have been uh, destroyed and such. Yeah. Uh, with plenty of, they have tons of like side dialogue of characters as you walk by them. Mm. Uh, so I spent uh, a good time when I was just playing it on my own, uh, just looking at that stuff, uh, and listening to people uh, talking about things. And it was, uh, so that's definitely one of the reasons why it's such a huge download is there's tons of dialogue for the most, you know, innocuous of characters. Mm. Uh, which is fine. Uh, but once you get out of that, and they definitely, if you were concerned that Sephiroth was not going to make an appearance in this <laughs> because he doesn't really do that in uh, the first disc all that much, uh, they definitely do get that in there pretty early mm-hmm. on, especially with the uh, clouds 
like mental issues, him having flashbacks and all this that are kind of uh, being a big pain to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, early on, especially. Uh, yeah, and then you get uh, uh, the slums. Well, you get to do some fighting because that's where you start to you get your materia introduction and all that. Yeah. Uh, then you get to do some fighting, which if you're smart, there's like a a purple thing you saw early on before you got to do the fighting. Yeah. And if you go back there and take out the uh, the cops that are hanging out there, and you get uh, another materia. Some have some yeah. cool ones that are like uh, you know. You can do a quick attack out of a dodge that you get extra damage for that kind of thing. Some will be for like extra HP, and some are just purely for spells. You know, fire, ice, lightning, all that. Uh, I even got one that's like auto uh, cure that you can put on, which just when an enemy is or one of your people are getting low on health, and that person has uh, uh, blocks to use for moves and the MP, they can use that automatically. So kind of getting a little bit of like uh, Final Fantasy twelve in there of setting up uh, play, uh, your other teammates for doing things when they, they have a chance. Because there's definitely some points where you're kind of focused on just taking out enemies that you kind of forget about the other characters when they have uh, moves they can do. That kind of stuff. But yeah, once you get to back to the slums, it kind of starts opening up some more. Uh, which uh, involves you doing a lot of side quests in that, uh, which is uh, not bad, not bad so far. Uh, they introduce uh, the assess materia, which then you have it opens up these like side missions of you know do you know uh, assess like you know fifteen enemies, mm-hmm. uh, getting uh, using the spells on the enemy's weaknesses. When you find them, that kind of stuff for some extra bonuses and material out of this guy. Uh, and yeah, there's the town is pretty nice, uh, uh, fairly big, but also despite the game looking great, there are definitely a lot of textures in the environments that are not great, like uh, clouds. So you get a, an apartment uh, to stay at for the night, and uh, the doors have no textures on them. It's just like a blurry mess, which you're having a lot of cutscenes around these doors for uh, whatever reason. I don't know what the issue is, but there's been a lot of stuff like that. There's like the, the character models look great for uh, the main characters. But uh, some of these textures you're seeing a lot, uh, like the item shop you go to is uh, very much that, like his, uh, his countertop is like uh, occasionally just a blurry texture because it hasn't loaded in or doesn't want to load in, whatever it is. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's been largely it. There's a so the stream ended with uh, me doing the setup for chapter four, yeah. uh, which is you going to this warehouse, and so you're kind of going up the the same kind of tracks you use to you ride down on the train coming back in, mm-hmm. uh, but you're on motorcycles, and so you get to have this cool uh, motorcycle sword fights uh, against. Uh, Cops, and then this one dude that's just very much uh, uh, a show-off guy. It's just like, oh, there's these cool people. I'm going to show them I'm super cool with Mm -hmm. my anime bike that could just uh, keep going the same speed, whether it's going backwards or forwards, or me just drifting around this place and uh, you know attacking with a sword and all this kind of stuff. Uh, They made this game way more anime than the original was. 
uh, which is actually kind of just leading into some of the elements of that game uh, that it originally had. But yeah, been really cool so far. Mm. Uh, look forward to putting some more time into this. And uh, yeah, it's it's got a lot of fun stuff. And uh, one of the weirdest things is uh, so Wedge, his voice actor was really sticking to me as like I've heard this voice before, and I had to look it up. And it's uh, it's Badger from Breaking Bad. <laughs> voice yep. is him. I was like, this voice seems so damn familiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was uh, that was nice to see. Yeah. Uh, Biggs looks like uh, anime Charlie Sheen. Mm-hmm. So his character model looks like. I was like, I cannot unsee this. Mm. Uh, that look, but uh, there's some fun moments with Barrett where uh, people are just reacting to your sword, to Cloud's sword. I'm like, this man has a minigun attached to his arm. What the hell are you talking about worrying about mm-hmm. the sword? Uh, that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Definitely definitely worth checking out for people that uh, love the original or never played it. Only know, like, Cloud from Smash Brothers or whatever. <clears throat> uh, I've seen people, like, they had no clue what Cloud was as far as his, like, demeanor and all this. Uh and sort of getting surprised when they played the demo. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, he's really like moody. I thought he was just like a typical Final Fantasy uh, leading character. And it's like, nope, he was pretty different for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, which they do play into. There's like a, there's a whole side quest where you're supposed to get these cats for this girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, you every time you try to get one, uh, they all just run off. Mm-hmm. And from what the, what you're told when you get back, it's like, I guess the cats talk to the girl somehow, uh, but she's able to turn like, oh, they all got scared by this scary man and ran back. Uh, and so Cloud's like, oh, shit. He he's comments every time they run off. He's like, well, fuck this, basically. Uh, just getting mad at these cats being uh, so picky. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that game's, that game's a lot of fun. Definitely, definitely something people to check out because it doesn't seem like there's too much else coming out this month. Uh, at least for the next week, I saw the PlayStation blogs list of releases, and apparently they're releasing a lot of those uh, Kunio Kun games separately. Mm. So them calling the original thing a bundle is partially true. Uh, I'm looking at this. It says Crashing in the Bo- Crashing the Boys Street Challenge, Double Dragon, Double Dragon Two, Double Dragon Three. Uh, what else? Renegade, which don't buy that. No. Uh, River City Ransom is on here as well, so like they're breaking out a bunch of those mm-hmm. games, but yeah, don't get Renegade. It's bad. Uh, it doesn't matter what platform you're playing it on, it's bad. Yeah. Or which version, the Japanese version. It's just more colorful, but it's still the same uh, poor gameplay. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I've never... Better, but yeah. much. I've never played a brawler where I couldn't get past the first group of enemies. Because <laughs> if they have a stick, they're very hard to beat because they just have superior range and they will make sure you know it uh, every single time. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like those are the highlights for this week Mm. coming up. Yeah. Uh, Basically updates. I like the major thing coming out here in the near future. Um, But yeah, I've been playing some below. I'm going to stream that tonight. And uh, so the big thing with that coming out on PS4 and steam is that it has a new exploration mode, which kind of tones down a lot of the, the harsh uh, difficulty aspects of the original that were kind of 
playing up some of its influences from Dark Souls and stuff like that, uh, where it's a lot more easy to get into. Uh, it still does the same kind of thing where it's not really explaining mechanics to you. You just have to kind of uh, play with the buttons and figure things out. Uh, but the the actual like making progression and all that is uh, a lot easier. So I'm definitely going to be excited to check out the rest of it and see uh, if that leads to a better game or not. Yeah. But uh, if you want that challenge, you can play uh, the original mode. Uh, it just lets you start uh, a save on either one. Uh, depending on what you want to do. Um, let's see. Also, playing playing some more Rocket League. Uh, getting ready for what they're putting out a new mode on, like later this week, the sixteenth. Uh, that is called Heat Seeker, yeah. uh, which is basically uh, you hit the ball and it just naturally magnetic. Uh, it's magnetized towards uh, the goal, uh, and if you miss that shot, it starts going the opposite direction towards your goal. And so it's kind of playing this really uh, interesting uh, back and forth that sounds like it's going to make for a lot of uh, crazy action and high scores, I assume, uh, as people uh, check this out. But I think it's only going to be available for the weekend, I assume, for people to check out and see how it goes. And then they'll probably put it in uh, to the the main playlist later on. but yeah, I've been playing some of that and enjoying it a lot still. It's they got some really cool stuff here in the uh, the Rocket Pass. Uh, just working my way through that, and uh, also been playing some more Animal Crossing uh, New Horizons, which yesterday was the fishing tourney, uh, which was fine. Uh, the problem was the uh, rewards uh, ultimately were. Uh, a bit too grindy, I guess. Yeah. So you essentially set up these three-minute uh, like competitions, I guess, is where you just try and catch as many fish as you can in those three minutes. And then you get uh, additional uh, points for getting over three, which is not too hard to do that. Uh, but it's... I think the they overall had like awards for getting to 100, 200, or th- uh, 300 points. And... The max I could get for one round was uh, 10 points. If you get eight fish and you get two for getting over three, uh, which also was made easier by getting fish bait, which you have to dig up clams for that. And that's just a lot of grinding just for fish. Uh, I ended up just doing enough to get the all the specific items you can exchange your points for. Uh, just about like 10 or so. Uh, which is fine, but... It seems like if you played it, if you had people over, you could do that more easily because uh, you, all your points pulled up. Uh, so it seemed like it was designed around that versus people trying to do it solo for several hours. Which I, I eventually just gave up. But you can sell it the, you could sell the fish. Uh, you got to uh, the guy running this for like 1.5 times the the normal prices. So you got a little bit of money back for that. But uh, today is Bunny Day. Uh, which means the the nightmare that people have been having of trying to get any sort of resources and having it be like a uh, a thirty three to fifty percent chance to get eggs instead of what they actually wanted uh, is going to be over uh, as of tomorrow. Yay! So, and I'm just gonna have to see what I can actually make. 
from the like 40 different recipes I have. Uh, see what any of them look uh, look interesting or not. I've been mostly just ignoring, but now from what I saw, they made it real windy on the islands, which I assume means there's going to be more balloons coming over uh, constantly, uh, which is kind of annoying because they play sound effect like as it's blowing near you, so it gets louder as it gets closer. So there are times you're just like trying to chill out and just hear this balloon just wafting over you, and you're just like, oh my god, I don't want to. I don't want to go to this thing, but I should because it might be something interesting or not. Who knows? And then the uh, the the slingshot breaks. And you're like, oh fuck! I don't really want to make this thing. So it requires more resources than most of the other items. I think it's like five hardwood instead of most of the items being sticks, uh, which you can get out of any tree. Uh, but yeah, it'll be better, and hopefully they get they take the feedback seriously and. Uh, lessen the need to grind for this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if they're going to give people several dozen uh, recipes for this stuff. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, been pretty much it. Alrighty. So let's get into uh, the news of the week and we don't have a heck of a lot of it. Uh, so uh, Sony just kind of out of nowhere announced the uh, design for the PlayStation 5 DualSense controller. Mm-hmm. Little white yeah. dress. Mm. Yeah. Well, more like little blue dress. It's a dark blue, but yeah. Yeah, it's totally blue. <laughs> but, uh, so, okay. Uh, as far as the controller itself goes, we'll talk about the design in a minute, but the controller features, uh, not a whole lot of surprises here. Uh, it retains a lot of the stuff from the DualShock 4, like the uh, yeah. motion control. <laughs> I think touchpad is there, under there somewhere. Uh, yeah. Uh, but it also adds, apparently, haptic feedback, which I guess is an extension of the rumble, so that shouldn't be that hard to add. Uh, the speaker yeah. is still there, uh, and added to that is a microphone. Yep, and a mute button. And a mute it's button. right on the controller. Yeah. So you don't have to uh, go through the OS to mute uh, camera stuff or mic stuff anymore. Yeah, which is a nice uh, quality of life improvement. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the share button has disappeared, uh, replaced by a create button, which yeah. uh, I guess is just basically another way of saying the same thing. Yeah, there's patents that people supposedly have found that suggest like there'll be uh, some really interesting stuff you can do with this. Hmm. Uh, I was trying to think what it was like a way of creating like demo versions of games hmm. to send to people, uh, mm-hmm. things like that, which kind of sounds interesting uh, especially if you're playing games where you can like make stuff uh, and it's like dreams or whatever make it a an easier way to share those kind of things yeah mm-hmm. uh, beyond just pure videos and screenshots uh, which could be pretty cool depending on how far that kind of thing goes yeah once we get the official word on that but yeah now so this generation uh, much like last generation was the uh, first generation where no controller has starter select on it. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, Switch is plus and minus. Uh, PlayStation is, uh, well, they changed options to the hamburgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, hamburgers and creates. Uh, Microsoft is hamburgers and boxes, view, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the- yeah, it's. Interesting the the way controllers have changed over the last few generations. Oh yeah, 
from start and select, which were created because you use start to start the game yeah. and select the select options, which makes no sense for the way games are designed now. <laughs> yeah. Or it's like, no, you just use the face button. Yeah, just press the button. That. That's, that's why <laughs> Yeah, don't really uh, dedicate a start button anymore. Yeah, and there's, uh, there's also uh, their uh, tension stuff for the triggers. Yeah. Uh, which uh, will give it, be able to have it uh, uh, give you a little tension for you know, if you're trying to pull the bow on a uh, uh, pull a string on a bow, uh, driving that kind of stuff, uh, maybe even shooting where my guns might require different uh, amounts of pull. Yeah, that kind of stuff uh, could be pretty cool. Uh, now, if you notice, the PlayStation button is an actual PlayStation logo. Yeah, instead of a button this time around. Uh, which is a uh, pretty cool touch. Yeah. As far as the the design goes, uh, I'm not sure white was a great choice for this. Uh, but beyond that, um, I actually kind of like the way it looks. Um, yeah. You know, but I'm not... It, it looks like it'll feel actually pretty good in my hand because it seems oh, like yeah. it's a bit more extend, yeah. extended than a DualShock 4 is. So, yeah, it might be more... And awesome. at the same time, it is still a fucking PlayStation controller, which I love. Yeah, yeah. it's still that. The only, uh, the only issue I have is the, the face buttons are not colored the way they normally are. No. They're yeah. just white and gray, like, like the way play, uh, Xbox's controllers have been when they do the, the single yeah. color yeah. versions. Or they have to put the dumb little dots in the middle to remind yeah. you this one's the green button this one's yellow because some games still do that yeah uh, they they just tell you like press the color button like but this <laughs> controller is all blue you're all blue <laughs> what are you talking about uh but hopefully i i assume much like the dualshock 4 they'll have plenty of color options eventually probably uh, which i think is one of their best parts of that controller on the dualshock 4 is uh, all the different uh dual color uh options yeah they do some really good work on that stuff. Yeah. And this is basically set up to do that again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really actually kind of like the two-tone uh, that they're, they're going for. Uh, yeah. You know, and maybe with a different color combination, it would look a bit better. But from what I'm seeing right now, it's it's still pretty good. Um, yeah. Yeah. And they'll offer those colors later. Yeah. Folks, don't get mad. It's You're going to get mm-hmm. the options later. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to do like Xbox does where they have like the design lab so you can like design your own controller in whatever color you want. Because that would be maybe you know that'd be pretty cool. But I'm always I'm always like I ain't paying twenty dollars more for fucking colors. <laughs> I'll just buy the the ones I want when they're like forty bucks. Yeah, or on yeah. sale. I mean, I love the idea, but I've never done it yeah. myself. That's the thing. Mm. Yeah, the price is a little bit yeah much. I I get why because it's specialized stuff, but yeah, still. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it seems like. Uh, at least a more interesting controller than what Xbox is going with, which is just kind of like the same thing. Yeah, they're basically uh, with the, just evolving their yeah. what they have now. Yeah. You know, a tweak here, which is a fix there. Yeah. Mm. It's kind of a shame they don't even add things like gyro in there because mm-hmm. there's some cool stuff you can do with that at the very least. But yeah. they should be just going pretty safe. Yeah. Well, they're doing the trigger tension thing on there too, so there's that. Yeah, and I think their big thing on the, that controller is like the uh, the latency fixes that they're apparently uh, touting. So, yeah. Which, you know, uh, is good in one way, but I can't really say that, uh, you know, latency not on like the a Xbox s- One controller was ever really a big deal. So, yeah, it's mm-hmm. not a very, like, sexy upgrade. Yeah. 
It's like it'll feel a little bit better for the people that can sense that stuff. Yeah, because that's the other issue is not everybody notices it. Yeah, it's like it's nice to know, but it's also not really something that's easy to see. Yeah. So, and uh, of course, since uh, the design, which is official now, at least that's what we think it is. Maybe it was a trial run to see what the reaction to, to it would be. Uh, but yeah, since that came out, uh, a bunch of uh, creative folks have uh, put together some mock-ups of what the console itself could potentially look like using that design language. Um, and some of those actually look pretty damn cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and again, kind of uh, a departure from Microsoft's black box. Yeah. Oh. Where it's like they're going very simple, uh, probably to save even a little bit of money just for them to put more stuff in in the box, but yeah, going to be interesting to see what the the console actually looks like. Yeah, so I'm I'm thinking like uh, both Microsoft and Sony are probably going to go with this vertical style design. Well, Microsoft already did. Uh, Sony hadn't you know announced the design mm-hmm. officially. But given the amount of heat that uh, this uh, console is going to have to dissipate to be able to perform as it's supposed to, uh, mm-hmm. it's got to be something beefy and that's going to require vertical height so yeah, uh, we're, yeah. We're, i like this just like it's a disk drive with a box on top of it <laughs> it's like this is like what i have in my pc right now yeah except they just decided to build the box upwards off of it yeah like it's minecraft or something yeah we'll wait and see what the official design is but uh, yeah yeah i i like the look of it i really do that's yeah. I couldn't say about the the Xbox, like the Series X. Okay, it looks fine. Whatever, it's a black box. Whatever, nothing. Yeah, it, it's going to be difficult to fit it into your entertainment center. But there you go. Uh, that's the way the way they went. Um, this seems like they're going more with a you know kind of a something a little bit more artistic that will you know stand out a bit more. So yeah, yeah. it's fun to show like they're evolving things. Yeah. Uh, even if it's not a huge evolution. Yeah. I still don't think that two-tone um, design is going to last. Mm. Uh, I don't think we're going to see it after this summer. Yeah, maybe. Mm. I mean, I could go with an all-black and still be fine, but yeah. yeah. I think uh, if they do go with the two-tone, it's probably going to end up being like a special, special editions. They'll probably adopt it again and do something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be like a design option for special editions. Yeah. I just don't see it being a thing that um, that we see in the main SKUs. Yeah. Because yeah, I don't know how well white is going to wear. <laughs> I mean, we found that out with the Xbox 360. If you, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't look great after a few years. It did not take yeah. long for them to back off of that either. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. It's going to be fun to find out what uh, what it actually looks like, and well, we'll, we'll see soon, I suppose. Whatever. Yeah, I've been seeing people post uh, shots of the Xbox 360 controller and showing the the PS5 controller. Like, man, design has come a long way <laughs> in just kind of 15 has. years. Yeah, because uh, that looks like very cheap looking plastic, uh, and this looks like very much high quality stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. at least for these shots. Who knows what the the final model looks like, but yeah. If uh, at least come a long way in terms of the stylish look of the controllers. Yeah. Yeah. And am I am I wrong here? I'm going to have to look at the. Uh, let me just bring up the uh, controller again. But I don't think it has a segmented D pad. Mm. Uh, it looks like the the Vita D pad. 
Yeah. If, uh, okay. Yeah, it is segmented. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't looking closely enough at the photo. It looked like it was all one thing. So, mm. anyways, uh, so that's the PS5 controller. It looks pretty cool. I actually can't wait to get my hands on it. And, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. But like all this news we're getting about the console is like, yeah, but what are the games we're going to use on this? Yep. What makes yeah. this stuff all make sense? It's mm-hmm. a package. We're going to have to wait and see for that, too. <laughs> so. We'll probably find out in a couple months. Yeah. You know, whatever yeah. shows end up taking place, we'll, we'll certainly find out more. And yeah. the only bad part of all this uh, shutdown stuff is it feels like time is going simultaneously like 100 miles an hour, but also 5 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it feels like, because I feel like March took forever to get to April. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in April, like it's already the twelfth here. Yeah, but it also feels like but, the so. the stuff we're looking forward to uh, in the, the later parts of the year is like a million miles away. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and even though both Microsoft and Sony, you know, claim that uh, they're still on track to hit holiday release, I'm not so sure. <laughs> so mm. they could potentially yeah. both slip to 2021. You know, depending on how much their supply chains have been disrupted. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll have to see how that goes, because uh, they at least know more than uh, anybody else uh, what is going on with their the companies they're working with for that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in China and elsewhere for making the the parts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just a matter of how disrupted they are. It seems like at the very least we'll get something, if it's not like 100,000 units or whatever. <laughs> Probably not going to be you know a million plus like the PS4 and Xbox One. Mm. Probably not. Wait and see. Unless might, something crazy happens. Yeah, it might be a case where pre-ordering will actually make sense in this case. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. All right. So moving on, we do have a release this week, and it's an update. Uh, Fallout 76's long-awaited Wastelanders update uh, coming out yep. uh, Tuesday. Yeah. Yep. Uh, they put out a trailer for this, showing it off. Uh, he's going to add another currency, gold bullion. Uh, it's uh, kind of used with the NPC vendors, sell so plans that craft new weapons and armor. Uh, and I guess along with the NPC vendors coming into town, some people's bases are uh, in the way, mm-hmm. uh, so they have to be relocated uh, to other places. Uh, they're <laughs> Sorry, getting you've been out. evicted. <laughs> yeah, they're getting kicked out for the man. <laughs> Uh, coming in, <laughs> uh, they have a new monster out in Appalachia, the Wendigo Colossus, mm. uh, which is a souped-up version of the Wendigo that's already in there. Mm. But it has uh, three heads and summon its more regular colleagues and ramp up your fights difficulty commensurately. <laughs> uh, so they show off some of that stuff. Yeah, there's some videos on dialogue and interactions with the NPCs, uh, some of that stuff and how the uh, the quests will work and that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, at least some uh, interesting news for this game. Yeah, it, it's yeah. almost like they figured out they were making a Fallout game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of a PvP game like that they actually designed it for and realized, and that's not what Fallout is. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So I guess we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, given that what Bethesda has managed to do lately with, with this game, I expect uh, there will be issues. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. You'll probably have to download the whole game over again, probably, most likely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, uh, moving on, we got Google Stadia news. Uh, yeah, you can get Stadia Pro for free for the next two months. Thanks. I, I, I got to sign up for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
that gets you nine games for free. Uh, Grid, Destiny 2 The Collection, Thumper, Guilt, Serious Sam Collection, Spitlings, Stacks on Stacks on Stacks, mm-hmm. uh, SteamWorld Dig 2, and SteamWorld Quest. Which Those two and Thumper are definitely great games to check out if you have not yet. Also a good test. Well, Thumper would actually be a pretty good test of uh, how well a game streams. Yeah, the latency <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. That uh, uh, Destiny 2 is well worth checking out. And Grid, I believe, is supposed to have some like special upgrade to allow for more cars hmm. on the track. Uh, as an upgrade over what the consoles and PC can do. Yeah. Cool. Well, for... So yeah, you can uh, sign up for two months, check it out. See how it goes, and make sure you turn off the renew. Yes. <laughs> if you can uh, find it, from what I've heard. Yeah. The only problem is I have to download Chrome. Yeah. <sighs> Can't play I will Firefox. never, ever <laughs> download Chrome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I use Credge. I like, I like Credge quite a bit. Because it's like Chrome without the Google stuff. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Uh, so eh, maybe I will download Chrome and give it a, give it a shot. I mean, I am mildly interested in what the Stadia is and see if it'll actually work out pretty well. But mm. well, given that they're giving nine games away for you know for two months, yeah, why the hell not? I could, yep. assuming of course it's available in Canada, which you know this stuff generally tends to not launch. Apparently it is, though. True. Uh, moving on, we got Cyberpunk 2077 news. Yes, it's still coming out in September, according to CD Projekt Red. Yeah. Uh, basically, they said, uh, you know, we more or less started moving all of our programming activities to, you know, houses uh, kind of a little before, you know, they realized that COVID-19 was going to start becoming such a big deal. Hmm. Um and they've been able to com- more or less comfortably continue work, you know, from home instead of in the studio. Yeah. So. Yeah. No reason yeah. to really worry about it until the point comes where it's going gold and they have to worry about producing the discs. Yeah. To see how how that stuff is still going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the really, yeah, that is sort of like the biggest hurdle is the discs. And. Yeah. Most people are expecting that a lot of the factories will start opening up by the time you know summer rolls around. So, yeah, on that, there's a whole lot of waiting and seeing for for the time being, and that's yeah, you know. I'm actually expecting uh, that uh, the Last of Us Part Two. Mm-hmm. Um, my guess is that we're probably going to see that probably either in late June or mid July. Yeah. Um. Because that game is basically completely done. They just have to do the debugging stuff. And, you know, really the only major hurdle they got is retail. And, again, the discs getting produced again. Um, And, uh, you know, the retail places are probably going to start opening back up probably around late May. Um, So, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Now watch me say this, and it ends up coming out around in November. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, next up we got Obsidian's next game, Grounded, uh, coming to Early Access and uh, Game Pass in July. Uh, Awesome. Yeah, Steam and uh, the Xbox, I guess Game Pass Ultimate, as they're saying. Mm -hmm. Uh, PC and Xbox, I assume. Yep. Uh, Yeah, that's their survival game. 
that they've been working on. It'll be interesting to see how uh, how this goes because it's not hasn't looked too great for me. Oh. I don't know. It seems like a, a different kind of thing than what I usually want out of Obsidian. And it being early access is like, all right, well, we'll see what kind of game it is in the early access part of it. Yeah, it's a uh, you know, it's a survival adventure type game, and yeah, a little bit different than what Obsidian usually does. So yeah, yeah. it's going to be interesting. To and so far, we haven't really seen any gameplay trailers for this game either. Nope, that's kind of been an issue. They put out another. So they had an inside Xbox stream earlier this week, and. This was kind of the the major news there, and they showed a story trailer. Hmm. It's like, okay, sure, but how does it play? Yeah, nobody knows <laughs> except Obsidian, yeah. and they're not talking. Hmm. And I, I think I saw somebody some article about them having a uh, arachnophobia option to turn off the to get rid of the spiders, or replace them with something else. Because <laughs> uh, it's a game where you're kind of shrunken down, like. Uh, Honey, I shrunk the kids. Mm. Uh, so the spiders are freaking huge. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that being a smart idea for a certain subset of the population who like, was completely freaked out by spiders. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Replace them with pink unicorns. There we go. Yep. <laughs> anyway. uh, other news, uh, No Man's Sky, another update for that. Uh, yep. Last update, they added the living ships. Uh, yeah. This time around, uh, the big feature is mechs. Yep. Yep. You have mechs now. Exo mechs. Mm. Uh, lets you kind of explore the environments. Don't have to worry about uh, uh, any sort of environmental uh, like toxicity or heat or anything like that. Uh, you can kind of just walk around and just mess shit up or. Uh, do some cool stuff, and they show off some of the uh, some of the mechs they have here. Like Minotaur is the one they're showing here. I'm not sure if there's a bunch of different models, but uh, which just looks like a uh, very much like sci-fi uh, exploration kind of mech thing. Yeah, uh, which looks pretty cool. It has a jetpack on it, allow you to kind of fly around and jump around pretty easily, as well as it gets some good speed. It has a if you're playing in VR. Has a specially designed cockpit for that stuff. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, which is pretty cool. So, what kind of state is this game in right now? Because I'm not gonna lie, the VR support has had me thinking about it. It's really good yeah. right now. Yeah. It's huh. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else they have here. Yeah, the Minotaur is immune to all planetary hazards. Is able to directly collect valuable materials, so you don't have to. Uh, specifically spend a lot of time just like looking at items to uh, pick up stuff. Uh, there's a mining laser specifically set up on the back of it that can be upgraded to a terrain manipulator, which means it allows you to bore holes into the earth or build stuff up, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, the Exocraft can be upgraded with solar panels, recharge your engines during daylight, which is definitely one of the things I liked when I was getting back into it and kind of starting from scratch is uh, has you build like your first base house, and uh, I could build like a solar panels to put on top to charge up the the different uh, machines I have inside, mm. that kind of stuff, and just wire them up. Uh, which is one of the only things that kind of looks uh, weird because it's just a straight line wire yeah. that just cuts through, you know, any terrain or the building itself, uh, rather than looking like you know 
an actual wire just draping around, but yeah. it doesn't really matter too much. But yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of stuff uh, in this in this updates that uh, you can definitely check out the link and they list pretty much everything in there. Yeah, they I got. really like if, that. Uh, like this this update actually addresses a kind of a big issue where um, if you can land on a planet that would basically want to kill you immediately. Uh, so it's basically yeah. letting you access a lot of planets that wouldn't be normally, you know, accessible to you. So, and, and they might have some fun stuff on there that you wouldn't normally be able to see. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. As mentioned, the power lines, uh, probably part of this is you can, uh, construct an electrical cloaking unit that just hides the power lines. Hmm. So you can still use them, but you don't have to see, them. see these lines. Uh, Traping all over the place. Yeah. They look very much like uh, uh, the developer version of these these wires. <laughs> or it's like if you if you're like trying to plug stuff into your outlets, but you need it further away, and you just have this wire that's just completely straight. Yeah. It's like ah, oh, this is going to take a while to get over this or under this or whatever, because yeah. uh, I've just created a, a limbo bar for me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this uh, subject has a lot of stuff in it. Yeah. We didn't want to model wire physics, so there you go. Just hide them. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> in the future we can just hide those wires. Yeah. So yeah. Good good stuff. Uh, I think uh No Man's Sky is also on sale right now for half off, so if we want to get in, yep. probably a good time to do so. Uh yeah. really thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Remember this is not a this is not a very stressful type of game. It's you know, pretty open exploration. Mostly the hazards are environmental and nature, so yeah, it's a perfect kind of game for right now. Yeah, uh-huh. pretty cool. So, what's going on with uh, Soul Calibur, Pat? Um, well, there are no fighting game events going on right now with the the pandemic going on. Pretty much everything's been called off up to this point, and season passes are still rolling on, and so. Uh, we have a couple of characters that have dropped. Um, Soul Calibur Six now has Haomaru mm-hmm. from Samurai Showdown. Meanwhile, Samurai Showdown has um, Sogetsu Kazama, who was already slated to be joining the game. They just didn't have any um, any events to promote the releases, so here we are. <laughs> <laughs> We basically just got trailers and like there you go, you can download them now. Yep. Mm. Yeah, so Omaru looks like he might be pretty interesting in Soul Calibur, so Yeah. I haven't tried either yet. I've got them both. Yeah. But um I, I having been just too invested in other games at the moment, I've not had the chance to try them out. I'll I'll try to do that um toward you know, b- before before the night is over. Mm. All right. Uh, so I guess we'll get to the big discussion topic of the week, and that's, you know, console generation, since we're basically at the tail end of one. Uh, kind of yeah. might be fun to talk about, you know, all of the, the console generations that we've been through and yeah. what we think of them. And especially how the technology has evolved in leaps and bounds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially compared to a lot of other fields, really. Yeah. Like yeah, basically video games and porn, <laughs> they've they're basically the two things that always are ready to embrace the newest mediums. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so we'll uh, I guess we'll recap uh, the uh, well the 
console generations themselves, you know, because some people might not be familiar with what generation we're actually in. Uh, yeah. So first generation is basically, you know, dedicated Pong consoles. Uh, yep. The, uh, like, uh, and those were, you know, back in the time, those things were pretty mind-blowing. Now, by modern standards, incredibly primitive. Yeah. And there was a shit ton of them, too. Yeah. Like Nintendo it, made some, Coleco made some, a whole bunch of companies made them. Even companies that you wouldn't expect, like Mag, like Magnavox or Zenith, and yep, yep. everybody would make Pretty it. much all the big television manufacturers made their own versions. Uh, and yeah, it was basically exactly what you thought think they were. They were these uh, basically usually tacky looking little things with like fake oak wood and stuff. Yeah. On panels and stuff, uh, the controllers were usually uh, a couple of knobs. If, yeah, if they detached at all, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a lot of times they really were just knobs attached to the actual console itself. Yep. Um, and you played pong with them. Yeah. Yep. And got and you know just hope that it was good for your television because you know <laughs> otherwise uh, the the panel, the paddles might actually be half hidden behind the borders of the television. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Overscan was a thing back then, folks. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess I could. And, we could add that the, the original Magnavox Odyssey technically would qualify as a first gen console. Uh, yeah. Uh, the thing about the Odyssey was it's essentially well, it had the, interchangeable games, but not really the way you would think they would <laughs> no the original odyssey was essentially a dedicated pong console that <laughs> could be somewhat adjusted to what type of game you were playing mm-hmm. you didn't actually like see like a hockey field or a football field or anything like that what you did is you just had these pasted on overlays that you put on the television screen <laughs> yeah and you had to keep score yourself because it didn't wasn't sophisticated enough to do that so, yep yeah uh, so then, uh, around 1977 or so, we got the Atari 2600, or VCS as it was known back then. Yep. Uh, Intellivision was, uh, also there, ColecoVision, you know, Sega yeah. SG-1000, uh, those were all, I guess I would yeah. call the second-gen consoles. Yeah, the second-gen, and basically the first, like, video game generation as we would normally yeah. perceive it. Yeah. And, uh, it Proper almost consoles. killed it so badly that we almost didn't get a third generation. <laughs> Yes. Um, the Atari Twenty Six Hundred was a massive success mm-hmm. um, beyond anyone's wildest dreams at the time, and basically, it suffered the biggest problem of a lot of the major industries in the early '80s that got so huge. It oversaturated the market to the point that it almost collapsed in and on itself. Yeah. Um... Yeah, one of the biggest issues was uh, just the quality of games that was coming out was not very good. Yeah, uh, you thought the Wii was a bad pay- place for shovelware. Mm-mm, you got nothing on Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Yeah, it, it was the Wild West. Yeah. Oh yeah, and everything was, was new. Yeah, and, particularly uh, because nobody knew what games were at that point. Yeah, everybody's kind there of there were just their games that are just like there's like one concept and that's it. It's one yeah. idea, no real yeah. fleshing out or anything. And trying to actually program the controls, because uh, for at least half of the Atari 2600's library, 
controls were less controls and more like suggestions. <laughs> Vague suggestions at that. Yeah. So, yeah, there was um, that. And, of course, the the most infamous everyone remembers is E.T. Yes. That was not a good game. Yeah. And it, you know, they shoveled it out for the... Uh, season for the holiday season that year, it was terrible. A bunch of people returned them. Um, the problem was they made more than there were systems. Yeah, they and, expected it would just, just uh, you know, grow the markets so much, and it did not do that. Yeah, yeah, and so they made so many that they ended up let like as the story goes, they ended up burying them a bunch in a landfill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, as uh, it turns out, not as many as you think there should have been. Anyway. No. No. Uh, but yeah. yeah the, go ahead. Yeah, what I'm just saying, though, like, one of the reasons that this became a huge problem uh, was because of Activision. Yep. yep. Yeah, they were the first uh, third party company. Yeah, and got sued uh, by Atari and won their case, which meant uh, basically it set the precedent for, like, games. oh, anybody can make it, so anybody did. So people yep. that had, Which is why we have third parties. Yeah. No company that had self-control mm-hmm. came into the picture. Activision's reason they came into existence was basically they didn't like the fact that they weren't really getting any uh, author's credit or anything mm-hmm. for their for their games. Right. Um, so the bunch of the folks at you know at Atari were like, you know what, screw it, we're going to go off and make our own company with Blackjack and Hookers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm surprised you know, that Atari didn't already have blackjack and hookers, given the climate at the time. I've read they had plenty of marijuana and coke. Yes. Oh yes, yeah. Did. Hot tubs. Although, yeah. Although this would have been uh, like by the time this started going down was the early '80s, which was when they'd been purchased by Time Warner, so a lot of suits were showing up there uh, and attempting to clean things up. And I say attempting because I don't think they succeeded. Um, no, but they probably yeah. took one step in there, said, "Holy shit, that's a lot of coke," and joined in. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, yeah, it was the eighties. We were all, everybody was on coke. Yeah. So, and what's his face decided? You know what? Uh, I'm going to stick with my uh, my pizza eatery for kids. Yeah, Nolan Bushnell just noped noped himself out of there. Uh, so, like, this is the future. Mm. Creepy robots and arcade machines. Yeah, and pizza that's poor. And Poor enough to not be a chain. Yeah. Although I think Chuck E. Cheese is still around, so... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So now yeah but it's basically become a kitty casino. <laughs> yeah, I, there's one by where I work, and now they're just a pizza place. You can yeah. order pizza and pick it up for five bucks. Which is like, uh, I don't know. Cheap I'd pizza. rather take a chance on Little Caesars than that. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, so that was second gen. Um, third gen, and, and second gen, I'll point out, was where, uh, well, where I started. So Where we all started, I think. Um, you know, I started uh, in first gen just because uh, my mom had one of those standalone Pong consoles when I was before at the point when I was old enough to form memories. Mm-hmm. And then I got a 2600 um well, it, was, it ended up being more or less the family's twenty six hundred on my second birthday. Hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Um, then third gen uh, is probably where a lot of people remember and started out, and it's the uh, the generation that brought us the NES and the Master System. Mm-hmm. Where they took yes. the opposite approach to the Atari, which is you can only make five games a year per company. Yeah, 
because uh, you had to go through the Nintendo, so you couldn't make your own uh, cartridges, uh, which yep. led to a lot of companies uh, creating alternate companies. <laughs> yeah. Yep, Ultra Games. And LGN. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Um, basically, uh, so yeah, uh, it, really when Nintendo comes into the picture is actually where things get interesting because the Nintendo is kind of where the part where go up and it was completely by accident. Hmm. Um, so by the time, you know, Nintendo originally, of course, originally released in Japan as the Famicom, you know, the family computer. Right. With that classic, you know, red and gold color scheme and, you know, the controllers that have the cords going into the side and the second controller has a microphone in it. Hmm. Um, they were attached to the console. Computer yeah. Moved. Um, it was, uh, it's, I don't mind it. It looked cool, but I'm sure it was annoying as hell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it also had banking software on it. <laughs> yeah. Connect to the internet to check on your bank account. Yeah, or whatever yeah. work they had back then in Japan. That was ahead of its time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Um, so then once the uh, thing made its way over to the U.S. and they decided they wanted to sell it in the U.S., you know, they arrived right around the time, right shortly after the great game crash uh, when Atari basically broke the market. Yeah. And they decided, you know what, instead of uh, placing this in the, what was more or less the dedicated video gaming part of the toy stores, they put it in the uh, toy department. And specifically, they decided to put it in the boys' toy department. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of why pretty much all gaming, uh, you know, advertisements and media well into the early 2000s was mostly aimed at boys. Yeah, yeah and especially a lot of their advertising was more focused on boys. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, but it also meant that uh, they managed to save – the entire industry, almost single-handedly, they and yeah. Sega. Yeah. Um, yeah, with their VCR console. <laughs> yeah. Well, that wasn't the uh, original design. That was the, the original design that they showed at CES. Didn't get a very good reception, and that one was uh, the one that we know now as the NES just ended up kind of... I, I think it, I think uh, designers spent about an, an actual hour right before <laughs> it was supposed to be showed off. Uh, Coming up with uh, the toaster box design that we know and love. Yep. So. <laughs> um, and of course, Nintendo, you know, they arrived, you know, hot on the heels of their massive success with Donkey Kong. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and uh, basically uh, helped a, got it so that a, uh, artistic designer that they had basically hired because his dad was friends with the head of the company by the names of Shigeru Miyamoto, <laughs> yeah. managed to become the Walt Disney of video games. Yeah. And what's really cool about this generation, though, is that um, it was, I think, the first generation where games started getting a lot more sophisticated. Um, instead of single-concept games like you had on uh, the 2600, okay, you did get a few of those on the NES, but then... Now you had stuff like you know the side-scrolling platformers at uh, in Super Mario Brothers. Uh, you had the uh, RPGs. You had shooters. You had all kinds of stuff that 
um, because the uh, Famicom was a lot more powerful than what we had yep. seen, it started opening the door for types of games that weren't possible before. That was where creativity yeah. really ran wild. Yeah. Yeah. And even had tech that the PC couldn't do for quite a while, like uh, the notion of side-scrolling screens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen Jeff Gerson playing through a version of Super Mario Brothers called Super Mario Brothers Deluxe mm-hmm. uh, for mm-hmm. the PC-88s that cannot side-scroll. Nope. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of points where you're going over a uh, like a big uh, gap on the ground, and that's where the screen's going to scroll. Yeah. Uh, mm. It stops you, moves to the next screen, and you hope you had the the right buttons down so you can get across <laughs> it. Completely. Yeah. yeah uh, hope you jumped far enough because it might not get there. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And he's been haunted by trying to play that game, <laughs> uh, which I think he's given up. But uh, it did still have like an infinite lives trick, which yeah. was also a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Because mm. he had to try to beat it with yeah. that many lives, but. Or you could try and it's, uh, mm. yeah. But it's like, yeah, they tried to port Mario to a lot of stuff, and uh, not many of the platforms could actually do a proper version of it. Yeah. I don't know if that was if that was an official port, though. It's, uh... Uh, I think it was done by. It was licensed. Yeah. Yeah, by. Uh, I forget what the company's called. Uh, mm. Uh, but one of the Nintendo partners. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like something U.S. Gold would try. Yeah, yeah, and of course, you know when you know, there's the whole uh, Gianna sisters fiasco that happened on the C64. But yeah, that's that's the story. Well, that took a story. weird turn. Yeah, <laughs> it's a story for a completely other topic. Uh, so then we got Gen, Gen Four, and that was the it was Hudson Soft that ported it. Hudson. Okay. Yeah, they did that port. Yeah, so they were a Nintendo partner. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, wow. Okay, so then we had the Genesis, uh, the SNES, or SNES, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'm not getting into that argument again. And the PC Engine TurboGrafx-16, uh, which was Gen 4. Yep. Uh, Good and, times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, the creativity that we saw in the last gen kind of exploded in this one. Yep. Um, yeah, we had a lot of stuff happen. Uh, basically, some of the best RPGs of all time came mm-hmm. out during this generation. Uh, and for creativity, there were a lot of semi platformers. Oh yeah, just slap uh, whatever movie license you want or TV show license, so that you got your you know the, the things that the the kids craved like Home uh, Home Alone, Home Alone Two, Home Improvement. Uh, any sort of property, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was super hot. Yeah. I, I was about to say that a lot of them were actually pretty good, and then you come with Home Alone and Home Improvement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's home Improvement for supposedly saying it's not creative, like you're fighting dinosaurs and all this other weird shit because it's still a video game and nobody knows what to do with a show about a Home Improvement show. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Of course, you're, all, you're on movie sets, so I guess that's how they kind of explained it, but... Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that was not a good game. Uh, but anyways, there were some very good platformers though during that day. Like you know, Nintendo released several of them. Uh, yeah. And we got Rock Ignite Adventures on the Genesis, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, quite a few. Uh, yeah. And of course, you know, Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy VI, Super Mario RPG, Legend of Seven Stars, Fantasy Star Four. Uh, 
Shining mm-hmm. Force. Final Fantasy IV. Yeah. Four, five, yeah. six, if you want to. That whole, that whole trilogy is actually really good. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, also, the first time we started seeing uh, first-person shooters on consoles. Yeah. Uh, we got they had any right to be there or not. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, of course, it was the time when we started getting fighting games on consoles as well. Yeah. Uh, Street Fighter Two and the numerous versions of that. Yeah. Uh, Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat 1 through 3 were on that generation. Um, yeah, where we started getting our first bits of discourse over violence in video games. Yes. Yep. Uh, where one version of Mortal Kombat uh, had a blood code, mm-hmm. so you could turn that on. The other one didn't. It was just sweat. Yeah. yeah. Well, technically, you could kind of go into ga- into using a game genie, and yeah. it would color the sweat a shade of red. Mm. Yeah, but it didn't actually like change anything else but that. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was that. Yeah. Well, I I think that they... was also a crazy thing. The game genie, mm-hmm. the notion of actual like. Uh, modifications of these games that would get you, you know, infinite lives or infinite time or whatever, depending on what the game was, Mm -hmm. Uh, that kind of stuff. And it was, like, actually pretty big. Yeah. Uh, Sort of coming out of, uh, which makes a lot more sense for their name at that point, was Codemasters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which doesn't make any sense now. (laughs) They mostly make racing games. Mm. Uh, But, yeah, they were kind of behind a lot of that stuff, Game Shark and Game Genie, uh, which was kind of a whole crazy thing. That was uh, a bit like the stuff like the Super Game Boy uh, cartridge where you just plugged it, that into the console, then the game into that thing, and then you had like a booklet usually with codes in it mm. that unlock different things. Yeah. Make it show later levels, unlock all the characters, all that kind of stuff in a way that wasn't even doable within the game itself. Yeah. And if you had a lot of patience, the... Uh the code manual actually had an explanation of what the characters signify. Mm-hmm. So you could, you know, spend some time trying to you know, randomly poke at different addresses and see what would happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but given that you didn't really have any feedback as to like what you what was being affected, mm-hmm. uh, this was not that not that great of a you know experience. Uh, mm. You know, because yeah. you couldn't see the memory mapping, you you just basically had to like poke at it and see if you got something. So, mm. yeah, if the game crashed, well, you know, you hit something that you probably shouldn't have. So, yeah, and that was a big problem back then. Uh, so that was uh, Gen Four. Yeah, but generation. don't forget, we also have to talk about this is uh, the coming of age of PC gaming. Yeah, yeah, this is where we saw, you know. Uh, Basically, we saw Andrew Keen, Doom, you know, Wolfenstein, Quake, uh, Quake, Quake, well, Quake uh, a little bit later, but, but yeah. yeah, Quake was actually 3D. But uh, we also got you know, Mist, uh, a lot of the uh, sort of modern adventure gaming, yeah. you know, after Sierra, mm-hmm. uh, also, you know, stuff like that. It was uh, very unique. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of good stuff there. And we had uh, Gen 5, uh, PlayStation and Saturn. Mm-hmm. You get more of a, yeah. an actual 3D look versus the the makeshift ones that you had special chips for on the yeah. uh, Super Nintendo. And Genesis could do more of that stuff, but still not com- in comparison to any of these consoles mm-hmm. could. Yeah. 
And part of the this is probably my favorite generation of all of them. Um, this one leading into the sixth, mostly because this was the point in which you know both Sony and Sega were going just all out with the experimental stuff. Yeah. Um, we got obviously when it comes to the PlayStation, the big system seller for that one was Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. Um, which well, that I think, one wouldn't come out until two years after the system launched. So yeah. Uh, so for the first couple of years, it kind of had to find its way to what it wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once Final Fantasy VII came out, it was just a massive, you know, international cultural milestone. Yeah. yeah. Is it the first console to get 100 million units? Yeah, I think so yeah. Yep. Um, Which was largely due to the the PS One. A uh, smaller remake yeah. uh, system, which was the first time they designated it as PS One. It was just PlayStation at that point. Yep. Yeah, um, um, for a hundred bucks, and it was like super cheap, super uh, good. Got you access to a lot of games, uh, a lot of shitty cheap ones because they had like a ten dollar line by that point. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, some companies making their bread and butter on that <laughs> uh, by making games called like Tennis, which you thought was over once. Uh, we got out of the Atari age. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, certainly uh, a console that kind of came out and really hit a scratch that wasn't being touched by Sega or Nintendo at that point. Yeah. Mm. Going yeah. for older kids and uh, adults, that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. yeah Pretty funny. much this era, like the one, one of the striking images I always remember from this generation is uh, – Going to the game store and trying to find the games that have the snowy white background on the box. Because <laughs> yes. if that was the case, you knew where you were in for a good time. Um, because basically that was Squaresoft, and they basically decided to uh, embrace a certain aesthetic with all of their packaging. Yeah, And... You know, we obviously we got Final Fantasy VII, but we also got uh, Bushido Blade, we got Bray Fencer Musashi, we got Air Guys, um, Einhander, Einhander. Oh yeah, uh, all of these really Front Mission Three, mm-hmm. all uh, their ports from the Super Nintendo, mm-hmm. which were not all that great. Yeah, like they, they should have been. Well. Yeah, um, we got. Literally Final Fantasy seven through nine. Mm-hmm. Um do that. So yeah, if you, you basically but also this was sort of Grandia. like Yeah, Grandia. Mm-hmm. Um Lunar and, uh, Well, Lunar was kind of a tweener there because it started on um the Sega C D but yeah. Yeah. also uh Final Fantasy Tactics. What, what knows it from. Yeah, Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah. Um of course that whole sort of strategy RPG thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was also kind of like one of the eras where we also got sort of the I think this was sort of like the era probably before the time the seventh generation this and the next one were kind of like the last gasp of the sort of B tier of uh, the gaming world before that basically got taken over by the indie scene yeah, um, yeah. yeah there was that it was also the generation where somebody figured out how to do a 3D platformer properly. Yep. Uh, Nintendo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, 
basically Nintendo came out with Nintendo 64 and everybody got went to wherever they went and played Super Mario 64 and thought nobody can live at this speed. <laughs> yeah. It was a huge sort of mental jump that people had to make yeah. to the idea cuz we were also used to, you know, scrolling from left to right. Yeah. That was just ingrained into us. Um also I being an idiot did not realize that, you know, that little joystick at the bottom of the controller you were actually supposed to grab and hold on to the uh, middle of the controller and mm-hmm. not on both sides, you know, 10 and 2 like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw somebody talking about the notion of trying to get normal people used to dual stick controls yeah. and like oh, if you want to troll them, show them an N64 controller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which has three prongs and you're depending on the game, you use different ones. Yeah. yeah. And one of them could basically, and one of them could tear the crap out of your hand. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that analog stick, uh, well, we all know what they were going for there. Wasn't the most comfortable thing to to use. No. And, uh, I mean, it was like freaking like serrated and... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then you had to play Mario Party where you had to like rotate the thing around. (laughs) Uh, actually, yeah, Mario Party itself, but really Mario Party too, because yeah. that one actually doubled down on all that. Crap. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was purpose built to break controllers, so people had to buy new ones. Because mm-hmm. it know. would surprise me, because I've never played a Mario Party game, and my N sixty four controllers are still immaculate to this day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't abuse them like uh, like Mario like Mario Party does, and they should last for a good long time. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah. This was probably the last gen where the the tech between the different consoles was uh, huge. Yeah, uh, it was also what they could do. So like, you could do 3D on all three, but the Saturn was kind of put in so last minute it had its own issues. But between the PS1 and N64, it's like, all right, do you want uh, fog? Or do you want its uh, weird little texture warping? Yeah, yeah. Uh, to it. It's true. Yeah. This was also very much the last generation before, like the key uh, three or four companies ended up owning the entire uh, marketplace yeah. uh, as far as consoles were concerned. Because there was a time in the mid '90s where there was like no less than seven or eight different consoles on the market. All of which had a regular library dedicated to it. Yeah. Um, obviously, yeah. you had the PlayStation, you had the Saturn, you had the Nintendo 64. Uh, both the SNES and the Sega Genesis were, you know, they were getting towards the end of their lives, but they were still getting regular releases hmm. and still being played regularly. You had the Atari Jaguar, uh, you had the 3DO from, I think that was IDOS. No, it was, it was 3DO. Um, 3DO. Yeah. yeah, okay. You had uh, was, Panasonic, yeah. you had Magnavox. Yeah. You had the uh, Philips CDI, uh, you had the Neo Geo. This was um, when CDs came into it and all the Neo Geo was actually said, hey, what's gen. up? Yeah. But well, Neo Geo was fourth gen, but it didn't really, like. It got the bulk of its good games during yeah. fifth gen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm pretty sure there was one more. Or like a grand total of ten. Mm. Um, God, I want to. I can't. Can't think of it. But 
Well, I, I guess you could technically say the Sega CD, but that wasn't that more of like an attachment. Yeah, it was attachment for the Genesis. So like, yeah, CGI. CGI. Yeah, I mentioned the CDI. Um, so yeah, we had basically a grand total of like nine consoles, and that's not even counting the uh, the birth of the handhelds yeah. around this time as well. Um, yeah. Because you had the Game Boy, the Game Gear, uh, Lynx. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this was like our first major uh, change of what you actually played the games on mm-hmm. uh, with CDs, which brought in all the, the the normal tech companies, but they didn't have the the teams such to actually make games mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. So you had a lot of uh, stuff that looked like they were just like FMV or very basic like DVD style controls yeah. mm-hmm. to them. That was like yeah, these this is bad uh, almost every single time, which caused a lot of people to cast doubt on Sony's ability to do anything uh, worth a while, and ended up you know showing like yeah they actually put the investment and in all that stuff yeah mm-hmm. uh, in big time, uh, which made a sense because they've been making games for a while before that yep. uh, on the NES and Super Nintendo and all that. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's the. First time we had a new player come in and just change things since Nintendo yeah. mm-hmm. showed up. Yeah. Put everybody on a different path, except uh, Nintendo kind of dragged their feet along at that yeah. point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the PlayStation was basically a direct result of Nintendo screwing Sony over. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. But the the smart decision of fearing uh, the Philips CDI, mm-hmm. where we got amazing mm-hmm. Zelda games on it that are some of the some of the worst that have ever been made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I also have a very unpopular opinion about um, this particular generation because it should have been the point at which creativity just ran wild and, um, you know, games could have done all kinds of things to further differentiate themselves from um, from other titles in their genre. To me, it felt more like the generation of homo- homogenization because you had all of these character games that were really, really distinct on the 16-bit, you know, platforms. And then you got to the 3D format, and suddenly they're all running around the screen like Mario. Yeah. And so it, um, it was kind of disappointing that everything kind of homogenized to that point. Whereas, um, bef- you know, before they found their own way to whatever they ended up doing. And, you know, the list of franchises that I could put on this list is a mile long. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm glad that th- I'm glad that they each did more or less find their way. But, um, man, it was rough for a while. Yeah. And it, it's kind of a it's kind of a dissonance between my mindset on this and what feels like the rest of the the gaming public because a lot of the games that I feel were to blame for this will show up on a lot of greatest games of all time lists so um yeah i i just had to get that out because yeah well let me let me elaborate a little bit on that cuz i can totally see your point there uh you know, in essence, when you have these tentpole games that, that do come out and do show that creativity, what you end up with is an industry that does a whole lot of copycatting. 
Uh, yep. Instead yeah. of doing that's their been own the same since yeah. it started. Yeah. Like Pong. Yeah. Every company so you can even make the Pong. case this was happening within Nintendo alone. Yes. Mm-hmm. And mm. yeah. yeah. And then you have the uh, the whole issue of companies wanting to be multi-platform and having to develop for the lowest common denominator, which was the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so essentially, what you ended up happening was games that didn't really make full use of the PlayStation because they would also have to run on the N64. Uh, and some of them, well, got Saturn ports, and it's like, yeah, you had three, there was a big enough tech gap there that each of those ports was going to be, you know, compromised in some way. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was a very strange generation. Yeah. It was a very weak generation for multi-platform ports. Yes. Uh, well, the, the entire industry was the dog that caught the car at that point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. They didn't it was know at least what better than <laughs> a lot of the previous gen where they had to hire you know multiple teams for each version. Yeah. So that they all played differently, looked differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a weird whole thing. Realized you know we could just kind of have you know one team kind of make it for each platform. Mm-hmm. Uh. Well, this was still the era when you had um, you had all the video game magazines showing this screenshot is from this version of the game, that screenshot is from that version, yeah. And there was a marked difference uh, between them. You couldn't do that today. No, nope. no, no. As much as people want to try, <laughs> yeah, because uh, difference between like 1080p and 4K on screens is not that noticeable, especially if you're on a 1080p screen. Like it's just the, the the actual screen resolution affects how much the differences show up. Yeah, there's like it led to all weird things like oh you got to look at this Vita screenshot on a Vita to really see what it looks like because <laughs> looking on an LCD screen uh, doesn't do it justice. And like yeah, but also no, this is a weird tech future we're in. It's like the dumbest yeah. future yeah. where we have so much different kinds of displays that mm. you can't really get the full appreciation for it yeah. without some monitor that can show that stuff. Mm. Here was just all 480i monitor, uh, TVs that looked like shit. <laughs> and so every game just kind of looked like a different kind of shit. Mm. Uh, and we liked a that point, shit back then. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And we saw every, every edge of every polygon. Mm. Mm. Uh, some more than others, but uh, yeah, it was kind of a crazy generation, especially. Yeah. So then we got to 6th gen, which was the PlayStation 2, uh, Xbox, GameCube, and Dreamcast. And those were good days. Yeah, and it was also kind of the last gasp of Sega. Yeah. Yeah. Um, This is, I mean, as as far as, like, Sega as we knew it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because Sega had been, by, up to this point, Sega had been imploding internally. uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, this was their, their last chance, even though the Dreamcast did well. Uh, they needed to do even better than that to save mm-hmm. them. Yeah. So no Dreamcast fanboys. Sony didn't kill it. Sega killed themselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's stupid decisions in the Genesis to make all these different add-ons and games just mm-hmm. for those add-ons, or maybe requiring two add-ons to work well. Yeah. That mm-hmm. kind of this stuff. This was also uh, the day when Microsoft actually entered the console market. Yes. Yeah. Um, but the same kind of. Uh, fear mongering as Sony got. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, they're going to put Office on this system. <laughs> they're going to give you a consoleized, you know, Office or uh, all this Windows or whatever. Windows. Which, and keep in mind that if 
you know, if Bill Gates had not relented, it would have happened. Because <laughs> he wanted to put windows on that thing. Yeah, that was a did. form of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was also uh, the um, the console that actually kind of – I actually kind of credit the Xbox for kick-starting uh, the modern uh, gaming community as we know it today. Because up to this point, uh, the first-person shooter had basically done ass <laughs> on yeah, consoles. I saw like, yeah. like uh, GoldenEye. Yeah, yeah GoldenEye for six, 64 for the uh, Nintendo 64. And you play that now, and it is... Whew, it's not great. Yeah, and it is not good at all. If you wanted to play with two analog sticks, uh, you had to plug in two controllers to play with yep. one person. And uh, a crazy thing mm. at that point. But up to this point, the only way you could do any kind of like competitive uh, first-person shooter gameplay was a LAN party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which people found some tunneling software that could make that work uh, mm-hmm. across internet. But you had to specifically be tech-savvy enough to set that up. Yeah, but then Xbox comes along, and they end up releasing with the game that would basically end up becoming Microsoft's killer app for... Uh, Pretty much the whole generation, which was Halo. Yeah, yeah. kind of their it, one launch game that was noteworthy, really. Yeah, um, basically, you know, but you know, Bungie comes in with a amazing freaking first person shooter game, uh, yeah. which wasn't a surprise to Mac people. Yeah, everybody else is like, uh, "What's this Space Marine shit? This is a ripoff of Alien." Yeah. Aliens. Uh, yeah, because up to that point, Budgie had been uh, killing it with Marathon um, mm-hmm. in those three games. And, of course, there was also uh, – oh, crap, what was that other game? Um, Oni? One, not Oni, uh, the strategy game. Yeah. Oni is a crazy thing, just have to say. Yeah. It's a Oni Rockstar is published Bungie game yeah. launched on the PS2, which is like a thing that you would never see in a million yeah. years at this point. And it's basically a Ghost in the Shell ripoff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, the game you're thinking of is Myth. Yeah, the Myth games. Those were yeah. uh, basically that. And then here comes uh, a first-person shooter game that originally started out as a strategy game, weirdly mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. Um, where console control as well done. Yeah, they actually finally got it so that you could actually do you know the dual stick you know dual stick controls in such a way that you could actually uh, play a first-person shooter effectively. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on top of that, it had, you know, access to all kinds of, like, vehicles and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. It was very cinematic, and just the whole setting was awesome. Because you were basically, like, on a ring world, and, yeah, it was just cool. Yeah. Except for the library level. Oh, God. Yeah, that's... Say, let's make a level that you... It's hard to tell where you're going. Mm. Yep. Uh, Unlike every other part of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um... And yes. yeah, and because of that, uh, and then of course the, the of course what ended up being the winner of the whole generation was PlayStation Two. Yeah. PlayStation Two came out and it killed everything. Did it, like 150 percent of what the PlayStation did, which is a crazy thing because that was already unprecedented. Yeah. And I think to this day, it's still isn't it still like the top selling console? Yeah. Like 160, uh, maybe. I don't think they've actually provided any final numbers. Yeah, because yeah. it was still selling in like South America and such till like a few years ago. Mm-hmm. 
Which of course, PlayStation ridiculous. Two had a pretty awesome library. Oh, it's only had Final Fantasy X, Kingdom Hearts. The Heart. first year, yeah, is probably the best any consoles ever had. Yeah. Uh, and it was pretty well split between Western and Eastern companies. Yeah, um, we had. Uh, I mean, as far as like RPGs had, we had Kingdom Hearts, we had Final Fantasy X, um, Final Fantasy Twelve, we had uh, Dragon uh, Quest, eight. Dragon Quest Eight. Um, Which was just a fantastic game. Yeah. And, of course, you know, as far as, like, Western stuff, we had, like, you know, Jack and Daxter. We had... Uh, Ratchet and Clank, Sly Ratchet Cooper. Inc. Sly Gran Cooper. Gran Turismo was huge then. Oh, yeah. Uh, which was supposed to be a launch title called Gran Turismo 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, that got delayed and expanded in for the summer after launch. Mm. Yep. Uh, I pre-ordered that Gran Turismo 2000. was like... Oh man, I wanted that. Uh, but then it came out and was really awesome. Looked but amazing. Ul- but ultimately, the game that ended up basically um, doing it for everyone that ultimately ended up redefining not just the gaming, but the medium as a whole and the things you could do in it uh, was a little game from Rockstar called Grand Theft Auto 3. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, Which came out around this. Were worse. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and it was the world delayed was never because the of nine eleven. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> uh, it was supposed to come out like that September, mm-hmm. and that happened. And they made only a small few changes, like got rid of planes being uh, flyable, mm-hmm. uh-huh. uh, that kind of stuff. But uh, for the most part, it was mostly the same. Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, it basically completely. Just change the whole medium. Yeah. I was like, oh, you can go around and do anything that you could think of. At least yeah. as far as what anything meant at 2001. Yeah. Um, um, and I'll say, uh, for what you thought of Mario Party as a party game, mm-hmm. uh, GTA 3 was absolutely a party game. Yeah. You would get with your friends in front of the TV and be like, oh, how much can you do before the cops kill you? Yeah. You know, the, the cheats for to get all the weapons and all that stuff and uh, I, I think also Mario the- Party. In fact, matter of fact, I think Grand Theft Auto Three is probably the first game I ever played. I played where the majority of the people who played it probably never even finished the actual campaign. <laughs> yeah, I remember trying to beat it, and then my save just disappeared at some point when I got to the third island. Mm-hmm. I was like super disappointed. I was like, "No, oh, I'm not playing this game again." Yeah, because I was. Just, it was so much time to invest in all that. And what's especially fun of interesting about this is up to this point, up to that point, Rockstar's game library was just weird. Okay, yeah, it was like uh, I forgot the the racing game they made on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, uh, with the unicycle, Uniracers. Yeah, which actually was, like, was a good game. Yes, but yeah, it was, it. but it was also a sign of that era. It was a side-scrolling racing game where you're super zoomed in. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't really see what the track was around you until just before. So yeah. you just memorize the track when you're trying to set times. Um, they were DMA but, design at that point, yeah. which worked on a lot of weird stuff. DMA design actually created one of my – probably the game that is usually considered to be sort of the spiritual predecessor to Grand Theft Auto 3, which is uh, – God, what is it called? Um, I remember it. It was – uh, let's see. It was on. It was Nintendo the 64, Lemons, which is not what you're talking about. But yeah, it was. Uh, it was. Body uh, Harvest. Yeah, Body Harvest. That's the game. 
Which is a um, name that you would not think would be anything like GTA. <laughs> yeah. No, like, but that's the a gameplay, nice. like, yeah, but the all the guts of G- GTA, uh, GTA 3's gameplay is in that game. Yeah. Uh, it's the genetically GTA. engineered soldier named Adam Drake. Mm-hmm. It's very 90s. <laughs> But yeah, and then GTA 3 comes out, and not only is it a massive success, but it's also the game that more or less ends up reigniting the entire uh, video game violence uh, debate again after it had gone dormant for a few years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all remember Jack Thompson. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because they came back the following year after GTA mm-hmm. uh, 3 made Vice City. Hmm. Yep, uh, which, which was, was a great kind of crazy too. turnaround too. Hmm. Yeah, like oh, you made this is just a, uh, uh, you know, game set in the '80s in Miami, like uh, Scarface and that kind of stuff. Yep, uh, and it's like this huge world makes improvements. You can actually swim. Hmm. Yep, so you weren't just going to the water and just died. Yeah, uh, immediately. And then two years later was uh, San Andreas, which is like so ridiculously huge. I never even got that far into it. Yeah, and of course San Andreas had its own little thing, but that won't be until the next uh, generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Oh no, it was sixth gen. Yeah, sixth gen. Yeah. 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 Oh well, in that case, we'll go ahead and talk about it. Uh, hot coffee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which required a cheat to get to like a yeah, yeah. cheats uh, game genie or game shark or whatever. You had to like hack into it, which is. Mm-hmm. The thing that annoyed me most about it is like it's not actually in the game. No, no it's uh, buried to, in the code, and you have to actively stuff to access it. Yeah, you have to actively get into the game's code itself to access it to begin with. And it barely works as is. Yeah, yeah, it was never finished or fleshed out. But no, no um, it was like uh, it was like on the what, one of the Tiger Woods games on the PS One that had an episode of South Park on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. they just needed to fill space. Mm. Yeah, and uh, you know that ended up. Causing a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it definitely helped the game sales, but it also was, you know, and it, it, this actually goes into something I think we should probably talk about next week um, because uh, just very briefly talk about it. It, it was recently revealed uh, after going through the codes of uh, Resident Evil 3 Nemesis, the remake, mm-hmm. that uh, Resident Evil Resistance, that. Um, that multiplayer uh, game that they have that goes with it, yeah, there's actually uh, a pre-made uh, nude skins for one of the characters that someone found in the game. Um, <laughs> oh wow! Ooh. Yeah. Um. Switch now means that you know it's like you know the the game will get updated to remove it. Yeah, probably. Probably, um, but it's probably already out in the ether now, so. <laughs> Yeah. Um, sure, but, but if you want to play the game, just be like, well, if you want to get the updates uh, and keep playing it, you're going to have to, you know, get this removed. Yeah, but anyway, the gaming market then and the gaming market now is very different. Yeah, um, yeah. updating um, games back then was a huge hassle. <laughs> well, yeah, that and also the fact that you know nudity is something that actually is more common in gaming mm-hmm. than yeah. it was back then. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, yeah. The, and what have we learned here? <laughs> don't leave things in the code. Yeah, people yeah. will find them whether you want yeah. them to or not. <laughs> so, uh, I should probably also point out that this was also the generation that kind of narrowed the tech gap. Uh, yep. Yeah. So it, even the controllers were the most 
uh, similar that we've had in a long time at this point because both had all of them had uh, two sticks, sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly uh, four shoulder buttons. The GameCube just had three. three. Mm-hmm. Uh, then kind of that weird like extra press on the triggers. Yeah, if you could call those triggers, they're just like half pipes, smushy buttons. Mm-hmm. They're just like half pipe buttons that you just kind of pushed in for an extra thing. Mm. Uh, and then the the one like shoulder button that just kind of pushed in on the one side. Uh, those were weird butts. Uh, yeah, two sticks, two uh, D pad, you know, four face buttons. Mm-hmm. Uh, was Xbox kinda... was a little bit different, but it was black and white. Yeah, uh, buttons that were on the bottom right mm-hmm. form of those uh, face buttons, which is a real weird place to put. But they didn't really know any better at that point. Well, the bottom uh, right was where they put them when they revised the controller. Yeah, uh, they were on the face with the on the with the Duke. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know Which do also there. was a huge controller. Yeah, I like had to the release a revised the, version. Yeah. If the uh, D pad on it was better, it probably would have been one of my favorites. But, yeah. So, okay, so that's sixth gen. And then we'll move on to seventh gen, which started in two thousand and five, and and which is basically, I think, sort of the birth the birth of the modern gaming community as we both love and hate it. Yeah, because <laughs> yes. uh, what we are where... living now is the is the 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 gaming culture as it exists now is in the shadow of the seventh generation. Yeah. It was all born then. Yeah. And this is because uh, this was a generation where online was kind of baked in. Um, yeah. So online, had... like a dashboard interface that wasn't just you load, yeah. put the disc in, and it loads. Mm-hmm. There wasn't too much of that in the previous gen. Xbox had it. PS2 had like a, uh, a memory card manager kind of stuff, or if you want to put your you know, quasi-dashboard. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is where proper dashboards began. Yeah. So we had that uh, for the PS3 and Xbox 360. Uh, mm-hmm. The 360, well, it kind of had that that whole concept of a dashboard down a lot more than Sony did it initially. I actually yeah. really love the whole blade design. I wish had. I would go back for, to that, to be honest. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, but... the Xbox 360 is the one system known for having one of the most infamous uh Issues in gaming in gaming history. The Red yeah. Ring of Death. Microsoft's they, one billion dollar mistake. Yep. Because yeah, they wanted to get it out uh, the year before PlayStation or Nintendo would be out. Yeah. And they made sure it did mm-hmm. at the expense of the uh, all the components being properly made. Yep. They had lots properly. of <laughs> bad wafers and such for those things. Like, ah, ship it in. We got to get them out. Mm. And yeah. it paid off. Uh, Big time as far as getting them units sold, but not in terms of uh, success rate of the consoles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember, that. yeah, the Xbox 360, that was the uh, system I got for Christmas that year. Mm. Yeah. Um, I got that, and I got copies of both the first Mass Effect and Lost Planet. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I got... Well, I kept you had... occupied for a while, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. yes, it did. Mm. Yeah. That year I had some extra money and I decided to buy an original Xbox. <laughs> it was a smart decision. Uh, but at least I got out of it uh, playing Project Gotham Racing 2 and seeing how great that soundtrack feature was. Oh. Uh, which unfortunately is no longer a thing because Microsoft's uh, soundtrack feature on the Xbox 360 removed the need for any game to need to put their own support in it. <laughs> that would be customized to what would be cool for that game. Yeah. 
so to be specific, PGR2 had essentially like a makeshift radio station that you could uh, any of the music you ripped to your hard drive, you could be feature. put onto it. Yes, and it would pause when you finished the race and continue when you started the next one. It was just really well done. Yeah, that even went back to MSR on the Dreamcast. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So this was also the year, well, the year, the generation that we got the Wii. Uh, yeah, Nintendo kind of found some something with uh, the Wii. Uh, they got a lot of sales. They could hardly keep it in stock. Uh, yeah, for a few years. For a few years. Uh, yeah, they had uh, the Wii like, was supported for a good long time. Yeah, but then when they when the bottom dropped out, it dropped out. Oh, yes. That uh, was cause, kind of the problem with the Wii. Yeah, despite how well Twilight Princess sold, the, the second Zelda game they put on there uh, did not sell well at all. Yeah. Uh, which is because the hardcore had largely left the system at that point. Yeah. Uh, like four years later, something like that. Yeah. Once people discovered that, you know, motion control was kind of shitty, um, yeah, they kind of left that system behind. Yeah, and they got enough of what they wanted out of Nintendo games, those first few kind of waves hmm. of titles. Because you had great stuff like Mario Galaxy. Uh, that was great. Metroid Prime 3. Uh, Wii Sports was even great uh, for what it was, as well as Resorts and uh, some of that stuff. But yeah, there's not a whole lot else coming out of them. Like Twilight Princess was great, but also people were annoyed that the GameCube version got delayed, mm. that they mirrored the whole game so that you could play it as a right-hander because mm-hmm. uh, they couldn't figure out how to make that work for both hands. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's just like a weird, like, oh, the GameCube version, they, they also short-printed that mm. version, so... They tried to force people onto the Wii, yeah. Uh, which luckily they didn't do when they did uh, Breath of the Wild on Wii U and uh, Switch. Mm. But that was also because nobody bought us Wii U. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so we, this was also the generation, well, probably the longest generation that we've had uh, in quite a good long time. Because it started in 2005 with the, the 360 and Wii. Uh, yeah. No, the Wii is 2006, but anyway. So 2005 with the Xbox 360, and I guess we could kind of call 2013 the, the year that it actually um, ended? Yeah, more or less. Yeah. So yeah, and it was years. Kind of, yeah, it was kind of a crazy generation, too, because the consoles, because they could be updated and have their dashboards and the, the sort of things they could do extended and evolved, Uh it meant that they kind of lasted longer than their tech could support uh-huh. the sort of stuff they were doing. So you had a lot of the late gen games on both systems just ran like shit <laughs> uh, compared to like what was on PC or their ports they would get to the the next consoles. Hmm. Uh, that kind of stuff was like, oh yeah, Saints Row Four uh, looks really nice because they wanted to make it look as good as possible, but. It just constant stuttering, yeah. all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Playing GTA Five, which looked great, but also ran like shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like it was a generation that's like crying out for better hardware, but it wasn't there yet. And developers and publishers wanted the game to still look as good as possible because PC just zoomed way past the, those consoles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was able to provide much better games, but they had to have them on these consoles because they probably sold better there. Mm. But they just did not uh, favor frame rate at all. Yeah. 
uh, which just led a lot of bad experiences for games made from like the the major third parties. Yeah, it's the consequences of having a generation that runs that long. It's just yeah, you know, you're stuck, you're stuck with what you got. So yeah, mm. so. But yeah, like it was the the birth of indie gaming. Yeah. Uh, with XBLA and PSN kind of bringing out lots of crazy stuff from small teams that uh, would not have existed otherwise. Yep. Also, unfortunately, it was a generation that uh, kind of started all the bullshit that we're in right now. Uh, yeah. You know, microtransactions, is, season passes, yeah. all of that stuff started here. And the birth of Asshole Activision. <laughs> well, yes. they've been assholes for years then. But, yeah, but now it became more prominent. Yeah, they had the top selling game every year. Yeah, still do. Call of Duty, or Duty, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, which made every first person shooter after that have to be Call a of Call of Duty, Duty clone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so Gen Seven was pretty good. I mean, we got a lot of good games. Um, it was also the generation that more or less uh, helped rebirth the JRPG after sort of languishing in mediocrity for a few years because that's when we got Xenoblade Chronicles. Mm. Yeah. If you could yeah, barely. get it. <laughs> barely. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, yeah. We got some good fighting games, you know, in the form of, well, Street Fighter 4. That came out during that generation. And as many incarnations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bioshock started there. Yeah, a lot of good games. Yeah. Uh, which brings us to the current generation where we're at, uh, 8th mm-hmm. Gen, which is uh, Wii U, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and Nintendo Switch. Yeah. And this is interesting, now that I really think about it. It's the only generation where Nintendo has had two platforms in the same generation. And yeah. one that completely fell on its face, and then one that Did took not. off beyond their wildest exp- expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Wii U was a system that had a lot of good Nintendo games... And everything else was like, oh, a yeah, terrible I guess you, interface. Guys, mm-hmm. I, you guys still needed a place to re- release your games. Like, here's Mass Effect 3 at launch because, yeah, you're going to start there. Mm-hmm. And then on the, on the, the Wii U at, uh, at that. Uh, it was also Nintendo at their uh, weirdest spot because they had Virtual Console, but not in the way that you might want. No. Cause it, was, it was just NES... Uh, Super Nintendo, N64, uh, and I think they had some Wii stuff on there. Uh, eventually, Game Boy Advance came in DS, which was cool, but then like you couldn't get that stuff on the DS, uh, 3DS at that point, which is like, why don't you have it on the system that's made for portability? So mm-hmm. this one that just has a giant like Game Boy-style controller. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was, there was less games than the Wii got, uh, for the virtual console, then the only third party that came for that for platforms is a, the TG-16, mm-hmm. which is really weird. Konami was the only one putting out virtual console games for like a year or two straight uh, mm-hmm. as they put out games on that platform for, that, for the TG-16. There, so mm-hmm. that, but uh, I don't think there was Genesis on that. That was the Wii. Oh. Uh, yeah, Sega you know, set out mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. Uh, outside of putting like Sonic games on there, mm. that were not great. Yeah, it was Nintendo trying to do uh, a modern con- uh, console with mm. the dashboard and all that. Without the Miiverse was pretty cool. Yeah, the Miiverse was pretty cool. It's like having an actual online community built into the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but unfortunately they just decided it wasn't worth keeping for the Switch, yeah. which is a shame. Mm-hmm. Especially as they're rumored to be bringing uh, games like Super Mario 3D World, which has built-in Miiverse support. Mm-hmm. Like collectibles tied directly to Miiverse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which is just real weird. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it sold like 13 million units. Mm-hmm. Like, barely better than the Vita. Yeah. Which is... Of a, a dark spot for Nintendo, yeah. Mm. Uh, for them, especially coming off the Wii, where it's like, oh, yeah, the Wii was great, sold well with uh, old people. Yeah, a lot of people that didn't really a lot of closet Wiis. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. They and around. they didn't really want the Wii U. They didn't understand what it was. No, uh, it wasn't an upgrade for the Wii. It was a whole new system. Yep. And so they basically got just the their very much core audience and the core audience that wasn't satiated enough by the other consoles. Uh, So we saw like, okay, there's like 13 million people here. Uh, That's kind of their hardest core people. And that's it. (laughs) Yeah. End up with, uh, well, the the Xbox one and PlayStation four kind of, kind of self-explanatory. We're here right now. You got the PS4, which is, you know, great system. Uh, UI is easy to get get around and get to what you were trying to do. Uh, yeah, downloading is shit. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, PS Store is is bad. I'm just going to point uh-huh. that out. Yeah, I would say at this point, all three systems have bad console stores. Uh-huh. They're all very bad. In a way, it's like really surprising. So I hope the the move to SSDs for yeah. the, the PS5 and Xbox Series X like eliminates a lot of those issues. Yeah. What's weird is that's that what it all feels the like stores are bad for in different ways. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. amazing. Like the the Xbox store is so spread out, it's hard to understand where you're at at any point. Yeah. And how you get back to like the main dashboard. Yeah. Cuz it's technically just like a tab on the dashboard, but at that point you could press the B button to back out and launch a game. Mm-hmm. It was made no sense. Mm. Uh, PS4 just seems like it's a, it's a storefront made for needing more RAM mm-hmm. or something like that, or an SSD behind it. Yeah. Well, I've been uh, to PS store with an SSD. That's not helping. <laughs> yeah. Well, the OS isn't made for SSDs. Yeah. That's the problem. It <laughs> uh, doesn't take advantage of that. And the, the switch, uh, it's, bare bones and it crashes a lot if you use it too much yeah yeah, for myself when i'm like looking through like the list of deals and you click on a bunch of pages and back out eventually just you see a longer loading bar loading because that means the next time you back out it's going to start you to the top of the list (laughs) there's no way to sort it by alphabetical so if you're just trying to find stuff it's a huge pain in the ass and then just randomly when i'm looking through stuff it just crashes it's like oh we're, we're done back out and you're like, oh, damn it. I got to throw all that process again to f- find what I was looking for. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you turn this like 20 minute task into an hour. Good mm-hmm. job, oh. Nintendo. Well, all of them do have web interfaces, so you could technically yeah. do that, but yeah. Nintendo's is unique in that it shows different things on, uh, the web store versus what's on the console store. Yeah. So some games don't show up on the web store versus the console store. Yeah. Which is great when you're trying to find everything. Mm. Uh, Then there's games on there that they do cool things like, oh, you own this game from this publisher. Uh, Everything else has, you know, special discounts. Uh, 
but it also means that if you uh, are just trying to see like when a sale ends, it might just not show you that mm. because it overrides the the regular sale that's going on. And it's like that's that's fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. But also, you don't see any of that information on the web store. Nope. Uh, you will see a different price when you load in the click on that game's page. Then you have no idea why it's different than the one you just saw. It's yeah. like it's a lot and then of when weird. When you add it to the cart, you also have another different price, which is amazing. <laughs> well, there's no real cart either way. You just buy the game directly. Yeah. Microsoft eventually got that yeah. like a year or so ago, but yeah, Sony was the only ones that had carts uh, for this and last generation. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, but uh, I think the, uh, I mean, the big winner of this generation, I I kind of feel is the Switch. Uh, mm-hmm. They came in late, but they basically come in like a house on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah. everybody wants to be on the Switch, even though it's the least powerful of the eighth gen uh, consoles. It's got yeah. the audience. Yeah, the and problem it has- is that comes into place like a people wanting the games that the other consoles have gotten. Yeah, and it's like okay, here's Borderlands Collection. Guess what? It doesn't all fit on a cartridge because they're, uh, you know, Nintendo specifically make cartridges. They're not, the sizes are not that big yet because mm-hmm. they're proprietary. Yeah. They're expensive. Companies don't want to use them, the the bigger ones. Like it's 32 is the max right now. Mm-hmm. Which, as I can tell you from owning PS4 and Xbox One games, that's a small PS4 and Xbox One game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not running it in 4K or with the, the high risk textures or any of that stuff. They're still fucking huge, and you're trying to put three games on a cartridge. That's not going to happen. Uh, I could see them. It's like I don't know what Nintendo fans want on that regards. Like, do you want them to be each on a cartridge where it's uh, an eighty dollar trilogy instead of a sixty dollar one? Because hmm. uh, that's kind of the only way I could see it working. But yeah. then they would complain that they're getting they're charged more because because your system can't handle the physical media the yeah. way that Blu-rays can. Yeah. Or you can get a dual layer that's 100 gigs. Yeah. Well, the problem is I mean, we've solved this um, flash media thing, and it's not that expensive to do to get a 128 gig SD card. So no, I, but it's I only for system storage. Yeah, but that's not for that's game storage. What I'm, what I'm thinking though is like, uh, if it costs me uh, about you know 20 bucks to buy a 128 gig S- SD card, uh, when you're a company. Like Nintendo, who has the uh, the advantage of being able to purchase at scale, why is it so difficult for them to make 128 gig cartridges? Because it's using their own proprietary yeah. stuff. Like it's, it's a special it's size and all that. It's, it's like, not. That's the problem. Yeah, it shouldn't have to be. Yeah, the housing maybe a little. I mean, the housing is probably the. Biggest it's pretty problem. small. Yeah. yeah, it's not as small as what uh, Vita cards were. Yeah. But it's small enough that they had to put special coating on it to make it taste bitter so kids and animals wouldn't eat it, mm. eat those cards, which is a, a weird concern to have to have. And it shows, like, maybe maybe that wasn't the best idea for mm. this, how you're doing this, mm. instead of just using basic, you know, micro SD. I, I've uh, never um, had the notion of licking a Switch cartridge, but maybe that's something I will try now. I mean, it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, yeah, because Jeff Gersman is the one that alerted people to this when he had one at a launch. Yeah. Somebody in chat asked, like, well, what does it taste like? And so he put one in, like, shook his head immediately. He's like, no, this this is not good. <laughs> There's something wrong here. 
Oh, uh, which is this. yeah. Don't don't eat these. They're mm. expensive enough as it is. Yeah. So um, so that's where we're at right now, and where we're going is you know PlayStation Five and Series X. Um, yeah. Storage, I think, is going to be the big uh, thing for this generation. Yeah, um, as it's always been since the PS3 and Xbox 360. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like, those games start off smaller, but then once you got the ability to do retail games digitally, that's where it started to become a big issue. But, yeah, the, the storage uh, industry has not gotten that much bigger since... I actually would not be surprised if this is the generation where like physical releases end up becoming the minority. Mm, I, th- I see think that it already kind of, is. kind of is. Yeah, Maybe like this is where it digital. ends up. I think this is the genera- This generation will be the one where it basically becomes the norm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Considering GameStop is probably not going to be around in a year, so yeah. Whenever your main retailers would be Walmart, Best Buy, Target. And that's maybe it. it, really. <laughs> Amazon. Several specialties that are, mm-hmm. you know, region stores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, regional stores. Yeah. So yeah, but it's yeah, going to be exciting to to see where this goes. Uh, you know, f- for me, like the speed increase in storage is it's kind of like a correction of where we we've been basically. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we're probably going to see stuff that. You know, we couldn't do before because of that. Just because of that, the storage. Yeah. Not- like as as far as good, uh, how good uh, Xbox One and uh, PS4 games have looked, and such the the physical restraints around them, as far as storage space, uh, how fast they were, as far as loading and all that. Yeah. Uh, was at a breaking point, and this generation just kind of show like, yeah, we need to figure out this issue because. Everything else is fine. It's just, you know, the act of updating these games or you're getting 100 gig updates because they can't just update the specific files yeah. uh, needed. They have to essentially have you re-download the whole game. Like, that was even affecting Steam stuff Yeah. Uh, with, like, Mortal Kombat and all that. I was like, yeah, we need to fix this. Re- re- figure out why uh, this is happening and fix it so... People don't sit down to go play their games, and it's like, oh, you have to wait for this uh, 80 gig update to happen. Mm. Or it's like, oh, well, I hope you have something else you want to play. Yeah. Because that wasn't happening. Mm. So, so that's where we're going. Mm. So I guess uh, we'll wrap up asking, uh, like, what do you guys feel like was the best generation that you guys have lived through? Uh, it was definitely the the PlayStation generation going into the sex. Really? That was yeah. definitely my favorite. Yeah. Any particular reason? Well, like I said earlier, it was because a lot of the major, you know, Japanese publishers were being much more experimental with the stuff they were putting out. Hmm. Um, you know, because it was essentially new frontier with all the 3D gaming and stuff, it basically meant that they were willing to embrace new and crazier ideas. Hmm. <laughs> Um, plus, you know, that was sort of the era when I was a teenager and yeah, it's the one where it's the one you remember most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chris. Uh, I would say probably this generation. Really? Uh, I think it just, there are so many fucking games and so many cool games, uh, especially with indies 
this is the generation where Indy's got to take the main stage uh, over the big boys, uh, as evidenced by the fact, like, one of our game of the years is an indie game hmm. uh, from this generation with Axiom Verge. And it's like, I don't think you could have predicted that would ever happen last generation. Right. Because uh, a lot of that stuff was still, you know, locked behind, you know, small teams and technology that wasn't necessarily conducive to small teams making games that could really take on that stuff. And there were some that did that, like the the Walking Dead uh, Season 1 and Flower, uh, No Journey, uh, that were kind of up there. That was sort of where that first started, uh, late last gen, which were coincidentally games that uh, you know didn't have as much of an issue with uh, the performance issues that were propping up on the retail games. Mm. But yeah, this gen, it's stuff like the, the indies kind of getting a chance to flourish in ways that we hadn't seen before. And uh, VR is also a big part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting a whole new way to experience games that you know, cannot be, uh, could not be done before, uh, and still some ways uh, have uh, some performance issues here and there, where it's like, yeah, we're kind of stripping what these consoles can do. So like even the Switch has a form of VR, even though it's not ideal at all because it, the hardware is not able to support it that well. But, you know, stuff like Astrobots, like, oh yeah, 3D platformers look fantastic in this and play really well when you can do a lot of cool stuff with it. Uh, there's, uh, you know, like No Man's Sky is pretty cool in that. Uh, racing games can be pretty cool when they're not like Drive Club VR, which makes me sick. Uh, but it's like a, a way of playing games, like, uh, is completely different to everything else that's out there and freeze it up in a way that's kind of really exciting. Cause like even just playing some like older stuff like Skyrim in VR, which is like, Hey, what's a Skyrim where you're not interacting with everything just by with a cursor in the mm-hmm. middle of the screen where you can actually move your hands around, pick up stuff that you're not looking at. Uh, and it makes the, the, the notion of just dropping a bunch of items that are physics objects mm-hmm. around a lot easier and more interesting. than just the, the typical like, Oh, you're, we're going to drop a bunch of blocks of cheese on this this mountain and watch the frame rate go to shit uh, because that's part of the fun of uh, Bethesda games is just pushing their systems and engines to the max. But yeah, like VR is kind of awesome this generation, and I'm excited to see what it looks like next gen when Sony gets a chance to refresh their hardware with a more powerful system. Yeah. Behind it, that has you know the power of the SSD and all that to it. That is uh, really exciting to see what they've got because we know it's going to be a part of what they're doing here, but they're obviously keeping it wrap, under wraps for a while because it's not going to be ready for launch. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be really. You can kind of get a lot out of just having better hardware under that same uh, headset uh, to power it. Yeah. So that'll enough and i'm actually even looking at this point to buying something on steam called ivory it's a, a vr driver it's i v r y yeah uh, if you're trying to find it but essentially it's to use like playstation vr and like some mobile stuff uh f- as a steam vr headset yep. uh which was on sale a little bit ago i just didn't have the money for it but i'm like you know what i'm just i'm gonna try this out here once i get my setup all ready for it because it's essentially just set it up the exact way you do PSVR just to the PC yep. instead and it's like 
it's going to be exciting to be able to play some of this stuff as well because mm. there's plenty of games that aren't on PSVR. As weird as it is to not support the biggest uh, PSVR uh, the VR platform yeah. uh, for some of these games, but uh, there's plenty of cool stuff there that I'm excited, especially like Half Life Alex. Yes, which I'm still not 100 percent sure how I'm actually going to play it because uh, I have to figure out how to get the Move controllers synced up to that because I don't have Bluetooth on this PC, so I have to get a receiver for that. Yeah, and get that all set up. Maybe like. Okay, trying to play that with move controllers, which I'm sure they were not designing any of their systems around. <laughs> nope. uh, versus like the the ones for Oculus or uh, Vive yeah. or Index or whatever, uh, that kind of stuff. So like the the versatility of that stuff, just even just having a more powerful system behind it, uh, for even what is sensibly you know older tech, is going to be exciting to see. Yeah. So. All right. Oh, he uh, went off somewhere. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, yeah, while I'll uh, jump in, hopefully he comes back. Uh, yeah, for me, I think my favorite is 4th uh, Gen, back in the old mm-hmm. you know Genesis SNES days. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for me, I, th- I think the reason that I kind of like that generation most uh, was there was, it's just kind of a lot of really weird stuff coming out back then. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we had like Earthworm Jim. You had Boogerman, mm-hmm. which was not a great game, but it was the concept of it was you know it appealed to me back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, we had a whole lot of great RPGs in the form of you know Fantasy Star and Good Chrono Trigger and all that good stuff. Uh, and we started to see where games could go. Um, you know, it kind of kind of set the formula for where we ended up. Uh, so you know, for me, that's that's why I kind of figure it's the you know the best of the generations, but hey, uh, I do totally agree with with Chris on his point about this particular generation. It's like evening out everything, uh, giving developers that wouldn't have had the chance to a really good platform to, you know, show what they can do. And we've gotten a lot of great stuff there. Um, yeah, VR is, you know, I mean, it's early days still for VR. We're not, we haven't even scratched the surface of what this technology could do. Yeah. But yeah, I could say like the best platform of this generation is a VR platformer, yeah. Yeah. and that wouldn't be too crazy, yeah, of a thing because it's like you know, Mario Odyssey is cool and all, but I think 3D World's better, yeah, because it's it's more weird for as weird as Odyssey is in comparison. It's like 3D World is like, hey, what if we just put all our weird shit we can do in 3D Land into this game, and then. Odyssey is like, all right, well, what if we just made it like open world, I guess? Yeah. And there's this weird human world that Mario does not fit into. None of these humans fit into. Hmm. So buildings are made for, like, ants. Yeah. Oh. That didn't work. But yeah. All right. Uh, so Pat is still away, so I guess, uh, well, I guess we'll wrap up. I'm back. Oh, you're back? Oh. Okay, just in time. Uh, Sorry about that. Yeah, so we were talking about what our favorite generations was. So, uh, yeah. Sixth. Sixth? Yeah, Yeah. Um, and there was a lot wrong with it. I mean, uh, the Dreamcast was gone before its time. You had Arrogant Sony being at their, probably at their absolute worst in the history of the company, or the PlayStation division. Mm -hmm. But the output of that time was really, um, 
it was like the culmination of the gaming industry up to that point. It, everything that second gen on had or third gen on had been building toward um, came together in sixth gen, and you had to import a lot of it because of arrogant Sony, but it was there and it was great. And once you got to seventh generation, you got you had the microtransaction issues. You had um, games starting to become maybe a little too convoluted for their own good. Mm-hmm. And that really didn't come to bear until seventh generation. Um, sixth generation is where game design kind of hit a perfect point in that regard. And that's how I'm always going to um, look back on it. Yeah. Well, I, can, I can definitely see it. Cause, I mean, for me, it seems like sixth gen was kind of the last generation where, you know, companies had the notion of shipping a game that was actually complete. Yeah, well, they didn't have any other choice. Yeah. I mean, on the PC, you already had a long history of expansion packs and things like that. You really didn't have that luxury on consoles. No. And, you know, so much the better, honestly. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think... Um... Really, that was kind of where gaming, at least for the time being, peaked. Yeah. And we've got, um, you know, we've got a lot of great features now. There's a lot good about gaming, but I really think the the design aspect would benefit greatly from going back and sort of seeing what was working in the late 90s, early aughts, and try to tap into that energy again. I think that's how we're going to get the next... Um, the next golden age of gaming. Hmm. Yep. All it requires is uh, some talented developers and a little bit of discipline. Um, yep. To not, you know, yep. fall into the trap of, uh, you know, releasing stuff that's basically just a glorified Skinner box. Yeah. Yeah. So. And you look at um, if you want to find a source of the problem. Look at the mindset that surrounded a lot of franchises around that time that were born and raised in the arcades, Hmm. but then suddenly they started seeing console-exclusive iterations and eventually moved over completely to console. And you look at the traits of those games that they picked up because they had the quote-unquote luxury of being made for console, and I think that's where we took a big step back. Hmm. So... Talking about you, tech. Oh, not just not just Tekken, but a lot of it was, uh, um, a lot of it came out of Namco. A lot of it came out of, um, I want, I, I would say Midway slash Nether Realm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Water. Yeah, but um, oh, some of the stuff I'm t- even talking about is, um, you know, it happened as Midway. Yeah. So, I mean, how how would you make something like the Crypt work in an arcade game. <laughs> you wouldn't. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, uh, the consolization of arcade games is definitely something that needed to be, um, examined yeah. at the same time. Um, sixth generation happened at a time when, um, that hadn't really fully come to bear. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, um, uh, I'm pretty solidly of the opinion that that's where gaming has peaked up to this point. 
fair point. So I guess we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, great show, everybody. Um, yeah, sorry I missed so much of it. <laughs> it's all right. For uh, you know, for a week where we had nothing to talk about, apparently we talked quite a bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's that. No, I'm 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 really liking this format. So I'd like to remind everybody that if you haven't subscribed to the show yet, you could do so at anchor.fm slash Update. Uh, you can also check us out at smashpad.com where we've got our written content and uh, you can expect a uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake review coming up there. Maybe a Doom Eternal review from uh, somebody. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But yeah, got some stuff going on up there. Um, since E3 isn't happening like in any form we'll have to figure out what our plans for that are going to be pretty soon but uh, yeah. uh i think once the esa figures out what the industry is going to do to the best of its ability yeah um then we'll know yeah. or at least have some idea yeah you'll know when we know so uh, so with that i've been Filippo Donolfo and for brandon perkins patrick nifflin and chris Sologi. we'll see you next week